0: The Babylon Bee has been suspended from Twitter because they made a satirical article labeling a transgender male as man of the year after USA Today said this individual was woman of the year. The CEO of Babylon Bee is refusing to delete the tweet, thus it remains up, creating a very strange circumstance where Twitter has the power to remove the tweet they say is offensive, but they won't do it. There's an interesting question here we'll, we'll, we'll talk about. Why doesn't Twitter just say it violates the rules and it should leave? You, know, you sh- It should not be here. Why are they saying you have to be the one to take it down? That I think is interesting because I wonder how that will play into the law if they find something objectionable, but they won't take it down when this question's there. So we'll talk about that. We also have the story about this NCAA female swimmer who is now speaking out against transgender male swimmer Leah Thomas. Though what I find interesting here is that this individual chose to support and compete against Leah Thomas and is only complaining after losing. So there's a lot of interesting uh, cultural stories we have now, especially Forbes has written a hit piece on Dave Rubin because Dave Rubin is having a discussion with conservatives about being a gay married man with kids. And of course, we will talk a lot about what's happening in New York. Seems to be falling apart. Revenues are not coming back. Unemployment is still really bad. Crime is through the roof. There's like a serial killer. And so we can talk about uh, all of that stuff as well as right to repair and what's going on with technology and economics. And joining us to discuss all that is Lewis Rossman. You Thank to, you for having me on. Do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, sure. My name is Lewis Rossman. I run a repair shop in New York City, and I do videos showing people how to fix things. And uh, I show them all of the, the barriers that get in the way of people being able to fix their stuff. And I just try to get people a little bit more invested in what we do by showing them what happens behind the scenes. I want people to kind of be in uh, – actually want people like us to be able to be our do our jobs rather than just – Think that where there are these shade tree mechanics where you don't really understand how we operate. Who they have no investment in? Cool,
0: cool, absolutely. We got some censorship stories too, so we can talk a lot about the tech elements there as well. We got Ian's wearing a weird what's up, hat. everybody? Luke oh. Rudkowski
2: uh, sent Tim a beautiful birthday gift of this hat that I'm wearing and this golden beanie beautiful. as well, which I haven't <laughs> seen on Tim yet. We'll see if we can get that on him tonight. And also, we received these two dice. Uh, this a D100 and. Twenty. Hundred hmm? 120-sided die God, and a 48-sided die. How? I don't think they actually have a hundred twenty.
0: It's two different. Do you want red or green? It's two different, weirdly numbered. <laughs> Someone <laughs> was like,
2: these are the only dice you'll ever need because you can, like, decipher, you can roll the 120-sided one and get, like, act as if it's a D10, act as if it's a D20. I don't know. I haven't looked into it yet. Interesting. But thanks oh, okay. for sending them. They're
0: pretty
3: cool. <laughs> I guess we like dice Crossland, now. i mean, Crossland if you didn't get that yet. And yeah. I'm also here. I'm seeing a lot of excitement in the chat for Lewis. Really excited to have him and hear what he has to say.
0: But also don't forget, go to timcast.com and become a member if you want to support our work directly. As a member, you'll get access to exclusive uh, podcasts from this show that go up Monday through Thursday at 8pm, I'm uh, sorry, 11pm. Hmm. This show's live at 8pm. And we will have one of those episodes up for you later tonight, so you don't want to miss it. Don't forget to smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show right now. Take that URL, post it wherever you can. It's the most powerful way to help support the work we do. And let's read that first story and talk about the Babylon Bee. There's a lot here that I find interesting. This is a story we have from TimCast.com. Babylon be locked out of Twitter for man of the year satire. Quote, if the cost of telling the truth is the loss of our Twitter account, then so be it, said the CEO of the Christian-based satire news site. So they received a, a notification from Twitter saying that their tweet has violated their rules against promoting violence violence threatening, harassing uh, other people on the basis of race, ethnicity, national origin, sexual orientation, gender, gender identity, religious affiliation, age, disability, or serious disease. They said you can start your countdown and continue to to Twitter, that's what it says, once you delete the content that violates our rules, one tweet. If you think we've made a mistake, contact us. So the CEO is saying he won't be taking it down. This is the post in question, or this is one of them. It says the Babylon Bee's man of the year is Rachel Levine. Of course, Rachel Levine is a trans woman, hence the, the joke they were making. Twitter says this violated the rules. So there's something interesting here in that, one, I think we can, we can discuss uh, the CEO's unwillingness to take down the post. He's saying we're not going to do it. But also it's curious that Twitter, under uh, Section 230, which grants this immunity to these tech platforms... It says that you can remove content that you find to be objectionable or, you know, lewd or lascivious or whatever. In this instance, and actually, truth be told, this is, this is typically how Twitter does it. They make you remove it. So right now, this is where it's interesting. Seth Dillon has said the tweet they say breaks the rules is still up, available to be retweeted and seen by everyone. And it's going viral as people keep retweeting it. Why would he take that tweet down if he believes in it? And why wouldn't Twitter take it down if they think it's wrong? That's that's what I find fascinating about the story. Other than there's the whole culture war aspect of one perspective is allowed and one perspective isn't. But I'm curious if you guys have any thoughts. It
2: feels like a parent making a kid clean up their own mess Hmm. as punishment.
3: That's kind of interesting because it's not just saying we don't like what you said. It's also almost like a form of humiliation because they're like, you also have to take it down. It's not enough that you be punished for this. You have to do it yourself.
2: Like one of those, uh, those, what are they, those classes where they get you to say something you don't believe until you start to believe it? A struggle session. Yeah, like I a mean, struggle session.
3: Yeah. Apparently
0: they're doing that in prisons.
2: I didn't, I don't like this because the, the, the terms say if it promotes violence against, threatens, or harasses. Now this tweet does not promote violence against anyone or threaten anyone, but right. you could say that he's, it's a harassment thing. I don't think, this, I think this is an abuse of the word harassment for the terms. Like it's a one-off tweet. It's a public figure. Uh, I don't see any kind of, of of consistent harassment for a claim, and and the guy can always block it anyway. So this is—I just, just feel like it's so heavy-handed. I think
1: it depends on your definition of harassment. I mean, if if you're a trans person, is being misgendered the same way as if I call you a—I don't know, fe- you know, bad, bad word name, for yeah. female genitalia or right, something? Right. You know, like there's a if you're if I'm in, if I'm using it and I'm saying something that you feel is insulting, is that harassment? Hmm. But then again, if that's the rule. The reason I deleted Twitter is because that's literally all it is. Yeah, this is the first time in a long time I (laughs) thought I might actually just delete my account. No, I deleted mine three years ago because pretty much it's just all that nonstop all day long.
0: Just, yeah, we were talking about this on the show, what, like last week, that Twitter only exists to emotionally destroy people?
1: Yeah. I mean, you have when you have back when you had only 140 characters to express something. It, it, it rewards negative impulsivity in the worst possible way. And when I started doing it, that's when I deleted it. I started uh, really? my,
2: my Twitter account 2008, um, and I I would make YouTube videos 06, 07, and I was like, "Text is the devil. Do not rely on text for communication. Verbal communication is how we get along." This text is, and people are like Ian, you're such an idiot. Text is fine, man. Twitter's cool, and then all these people start tweeting, and now you see the age of miscommunication and there's a reason for it, is because people are etching markings on a wall and expecting someone else to know what they meant.
0: Yo, Twitter is the worst. It's pretty
3: bad. It brings I'm, out the worst in people. Yeah. And, like, yeah.
1: for this, I I would say, okay, you should be allowed to make a joke, whatever, but at the same time, I look at it and I go, well, what am I gaining from making that joke, you know? Mm. Like, yeah, I believe I, in the right to be able to say something like that, but I just, I wouldn't use it if it's just going to piss well, a bunch of people off and I, I don't gain anything from calling this person a man versus a woman or whatever. Well, I'll say, I think the...
0: The Babylon Bee is a Christian site. They have a perspective, right? Yeah, and it's yeah. also
1: meant for humor, and it's a satire right. site. So they, right. they're going to say things that are shit that are going to aggravate people.
0: Mm-hmm. Right, right. I mean, comedy is offensive, or yeah. at least it used to be. It's supposed to. I don't be. know what left wing comedy is right now. There's this there's this YouTuber guy, and he um, someone posted this in response to Seth Dillon. He's the CEO, and it was like, why conservative comedy isn't funny, and it's just like a weird thing to claim to like it's. Look, I understand the left is going to pile on this dude who wrote why conservative comedy isn't funny. Like they're going to they're going to go and comment like we know we know it's so true. Conservative comedy isn't funny, and I'm just like, yo, it's subjective.
1: I've never watched liberal versus conservative commentary. Like when, when you when you look at let's say Bill Bill Burr, I think would be more left than a uh, lot of the people here. What you have when you listen to his 2012 special on gold digging horse and beating women. I mean, would that come out in 2022? No. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Would I'm not. surprised he hasn't gotten his head chopped off for doing that. I watch, Every now and then I'll watch that and just like laugh hysterically. Well, oh, with the woman next to me. You're I don't right, understand yeah. the idea that's of like funny. what
0: conservative comedy is. You know, that's, that's the weirdest thing that the response from the left is like, you're not funny so it's not a joke. I think and you're
1: talking about Greg Gutfield versus, uh, what's the other guy like Seth Myers or something like that, but that stuff's not funny to me. I don't well, enjoy no, either funny. of them.
0: I mean, but, but I, I, don't, I don't... Ideologically
1: I don't, possessed comedy sucks, in my
0: mm, opinion. Yes. I. I mm, not necessarily. I think it, so. de, it depends. If it speaks to your ideology, you're going to enjoy it. That, so that's, that's why I say it's subjective. When there, there was a, a, a Vice special I saw where it was a transgender comedian, and they were explaining how to do comedy properly, you make fun of yourself, that you're not hurting anybody and there's no oppression. And it was a bunch of people in the audience, and the person on stage was like a, a tall, skinny trans woman who was constantly talking about how awful they were to themselves. And the audience was laughing like no one's getting hurt because they're making the joke about themselves. They seem to enjoy it. I'm just like, I mean, I'm don't I'm not i not going to rag on somebody. Look, if you want to make a video game or a movie or a show and you want to go and you enjoy it, like, man, go do your thing. I got nothing to do with it. If I want to watch Dave Chappelle, don't get him canceled from Netflix because you don't like it. Like, you're offended by it. So, you know, Gutfeld, I think Gutfeld on Fox is more like a observational humor, but not... I wouldn't put comedy first. It's like a it's a it's a political commentary show with snark which makes you laugh some you, depending on on his, on his audience, you know, it's one of the biggest shows. Seth Meyers does the same for the left. Maybe you want to argue that they're only laughing with the left like they're being told to laugh or whatever. Oh, look, I if people want to watch it and they get millions of views, they do same with Colbert. I-
2: I had an issue a couple nights ago. I was watching like the Epic Fails compilations on YouTube. You ever watch those? Where it's just like Epic Fails and you see people falling down and slipping on ice and like tumbling into the ocean and stuff. And I was laughing, but it wasn't comedy. That wasn't comedy. It's people getting hurt and people falling down. But I was laughing. So (laughs) I was laughing at something that wasn't comedy. It's possible that what people consider comedy is actually not it might something or something that's funny isn't necessarily comedy
0: i was i remember when i was little i was watching i think it was america's funniest home videos oh yeah and i think it was bob saget and uh maybe i'm misremembering this because it's been like 30 years or something but it was a guy skiing and he trips and starts tumbling down the mountain oh, and wow. and bob saget was going like de- oh bleep, bleep, like like whoopsie bleep, falling and i'm like thinking to myself i'm like is that man very hurt gonna like die, i'm yeah. confused like what's happening And it was something like that. Maybe, maybe I'm, you know, remembering it too harshly because I was like a little kid. So I think that when
2: people make fun of themselves in comedy, it's kind of like that. You're laughing because you see someone hurting themselves in front of you, but it's not funny. It's not, well, it's funny, but it's not comedy. At least in my opinion. I don't like that self-depreciating stuff. I got, I mean, it's all right. Rodney Dangerfield did it okay. Bill Burr was all right with it. But Dangerfield would rip on his
0: wife too. So he like, no one was sacred. Yo, I've been, I've been thinking about, Like the, 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 the the pronouncement, the, the, um, the culture war is just getting so insane that when we say there's no middle ground, there's literally like we're well beyond any kind of reasonable logic. So, you know, I'm gonna bring it up because I, I really want to, but I had this tweet last, like this weekend about going to a diner. Mm. Yeah, it was like Friday or something. Yeah. Where I was like, I went to a diner with my girlfriend and we were, we are, they told us a 20, they said it was a 20 minute wait and then, uh, they seated other people before us, so I complained and left. And like the point of my tweet was, one, I'm kind of irritable, you know, so that's like a, a, not a positive statement about myself, but that, you know, it serves me well in my work in business that I don't tolerate any kind of, you know, impedance. So if they're like, oops, we seated someone else before you, I'll just be like, I'll go somewhere else. Like I got no issue. I'm not going to bother. I'm not going to, I'm going to leave. The weirdest thing is how this became a culture war issue. It became political. Like on Twitter, on Reddit, the right can't mean. It's like a subreddit where they just make fun of like right wing people. They screen grabbed it, and they were like, I, I "It was just like m- m- making fun of me for no reason on an inane tweet having nothing to do with politics." And that's what, I, bring, I wanted to bring that up because you mentioned well, for one, I wanted to bring it up, but also you mentioned how it's just like negative impulses on Twitter, and I'm like, I didn't I didn't talk smack about anybody. Like I, I typically I, I I I was about to tweet about AOC last week. And it was, like, nasty. And so I, like, toned it way down. Like, I want to make my point, but I shouldn't insult her or anything. Like, I, I can, I can, you know, criticize her without just being stupid and childish. But, man, I think, I, I think you nailed it when you said it's just it drives negative impulses. Mm-hmm. I also think, as we mentioned before, it exists just to emotionally
1: destroy people. The one area where I disagree with you is where you said that uh, there's no middle ground in the culture war. It's either here or here. Uh, the middle ground is not on there. And the tablet, it's out there. Like mm. Every time I go outside and I, I talk to somebody in a line at a grocery store, there was a date I was on two weeks ago with somebody who I thought would absolutely horribly, like, bait me over with their, their position. They said, you know, like, she actually asked me, she's a black person, she you know, she's more left than I am. She said, what do you think of BLM? And I said, you're, a, okay, this is going to be fun. I'm a white store owner oh, New York City. <laughs> 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 that, that was, like, there with the that activating a, a 400-watt air horn on my phone every time I heard somebody banging on the door. Uh, June 2020, and it was actually a very, very reasonable conversation. Wow. I heard where she was coming from. She heard where I was coming from. That doesn't happen on Twitter. That doesn't happen on Reddit. Oh, for sure. But like, this happens at the line at the grocery store. This happens at the gym. This happens at you know a martial arts class. It happens almost everywhere. It just doesn't happen on the internet because right. the, there's something about um, how people act when they're behind a screen that changes their entire perspective. And I think the fact that all the political conversations that we're having now versus 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years ago are not in person, where there's always that thought of. You know, I could get punched in the face. <laughs> the yeah, yeah exactly. exactly.
0: Wasn't it Mike Tyson who said yeah, that? Yeah, yeah.
1: That, that, modif- that, that modifies people. And for the last two months, I have spent way more time, uh, avoiding my YouTube comment section, avoiding social media and actually mm-hmm. engaging with people in reality. Or, you know, sitting next to them at a steakhouse or a bar and talking. And it's, it's a radically different world. There is a middle ground. Like most people are in that middle ground. It's just they're out there. They're not on the internet. Wow.
0: Well, so the problem is before you even get a chance to have that middle ground, that, that conversation, the internet is sort of gaining more and more ground the gaining other thing more is and more control
1: you don't know like if you see somebody's facebook post where they say all this other stuff it may kind of aggravate you already because like wait i don't agree with you here that this that and the other and you're immediately going to be arguing instead of just asking questions so what do you think of this and then i give my perspective you give yours you have a kind of a back and forth you're already aggravated when you read somebody who's used their limited 140 characters to come up with the most uh, douchey way to say that they don't like <laughs> something. Yeah. Uh, or a or, or way to aggro- like there was this one article I read recently it was about the it was about lawn signs and it was something on the the lawn sign you know in this household we believe that Oops. women's rights are everybody's right, rights uh, right. uh. you know there, no person is illegal this that and the other and it's like there's not really like that, that sign is an F you Republican sign it's not an actual I believe in right. all this and it also doesn't necessarily invite discussion the same way that the whole uh, you know, like you owe me gas money sign with like Biden with neck ne- with like um, I did that. an ping uh you uniform and all that. That's that that memeing culture and all that, that, that doesn't open you to a discussion the same way that just, oh, you know, you're sitting next to somebody in a but steakhouse. That's, that's not talking. the
0: intent. The intent is to create a perception of majority. So mm-hmm. the Biden stickers, the goal of that is so that regular people will see Biden being made fun of and not want to be in the out group. So if, if there's someone who doesn't follow politics and they go to a gas station and they keep seeing the Biden stickers, well, then they're more likely to be like, Oh, yeah, yeah, I think, I think Biden's dumb. Like, because the perception is if most people follow this, you don't want to be in the out group because the out group is dangerous. You lose access to resources and humans have that natural survival instinct. The same thing is true for putting flags on their porch or putting that sign. They want everyone to see the signs. And so that's one of the reasons I say there's no middle ground. There is. You know, like you said, outside for, for the average person. But what we're seeing more and more... Like, the reason I brought this up is that the conversations around politics have become completely inane. Like, we're, we're seeing more and more people being made fun of for things that aren't even political or conversations emerging around things that aren't even political or don't need to I be. I think in.
1: everybody is on edge to the point where they're just waiting for the smallest thing to tick them off to lose it.
0: Yeah, I everybody think Everybody is true.
1: very, very on edge and walking, just like vibrating with rage. Mm. Well, I think one of the issues is that you have
0: people who it's, it's an addiction, it's a drug addiction it's, it's, you want those hits you want those clicks and you're trying to find a way to get that satisfaction so you want that tweet that's going to get a thousand retweets or whatever so you have a lot of people on social media who are constantly one-upping each other, taking it one step further, left and right because they want people to react, they want people to share they want people to respond and there's no point where someone just like people need to start toning things down I, I, I certainly think that there are – I, I look, my perspective and my bias is fairly obvious on this one. There's a reason why I think in polling, moderate voters and Republicans tend to agree on a lot of issues, and Democrats are completely in the out group relative to those two groups. Or I should say the Democrats are isolated in their beliefs. Independents and Republicans overlap massively on tons of issues. And I think it's because there's something just generally tribalist and cultish of the modern mainstream left and the things they're pursuing you can get story after story that turns out to be false and they just end up believing it. You get illogical uh, statements like only white people can be racist and Candace Owens is a white supremacist. Things like that that don't seem to make sense.
1: I think economically a lot of people wind up leaning a little more left, but culturally they wind up leaning right because mm-hmm. they think that type of stuff is crazy. When they hear that you know you no, you, you cannot be you cannot be racist if you're here, but you can be racist if you were born this way. Like uh, someone will hear that and go, "What? Where I think that same person would would Probably prefer Medicare for all to the healthcare system we have now where you get a, you like, you, uh, you know, you fall off a bike and then you have a $5,000 bill when you, that you, for spending 45 minutes in a hospital that you weren't even awake for. Like, yeah right.
0: Or, or even choose to go to sometimes.
1: But there's way more overlap than people think. Like when, when you read the internet, you really think that, okay, because I've heard you say this one thing, I now know what you think about these other 42 things. But then when you right. actually go out in the real world, you realize that it's not like that. It's not just the a, you know, a clipboard where there's like a checkbox of 42 different things in a But
0: so, so as much as I would agree with you in a lot of this, um, one of the challenges I see is that the, the middle ground people aren't active. And so when we try and engage in things,
1: they have jobs, they have lives, they have things to do. They're out, they're out there doing everything. This is what I explained to right, legislators. Right,
0: right, for sure. When we try to do things, however, that we think are like good politically, I'll give you an example. A few years ago, we put on an event called Ending Violence, Racism and Authoritarianism and the keynote speaker was a uh, very, very famous black jazz musician who de-radicalized members of the Klan. Far-left groups threatened to burn the theater down and then showed up and protested it. The, the, the theater canceled our contract within two weeks, so there was not even an opportunity to have that middle ground conversation in a public setting. We ended up having to move to a venue with half the seats. We were, uh, I think 100 and some odd people weren't able to attend because of capacity issues. So while there are middle ground people who are working and doing normal things, if we want to change things for the positive but we're being shouted out and screamed at by the squeaky wheel demanding the grease – then it is eliminating any middle ground opportunities for conversations, hyperpolarizing the conversation, even in the real world.
3: Hmm.
1: I I can see if you're not allowed to have an event, how that would be aggravating. Yeah. The
2: naming of that event I took issue with when we were, I was working with Bill when we were kind of formulating the idea putting the event together. I didn't end up going to that event actually, but I didn't like that it was ending violence as opposed to like destroy evil as opposed to create good. Like it's the phrasing. What
1: was the argument from the people that wanted to shut it down?
0: Uh, the, I mean, not, not, to be completely honest, from any, uh, if I was to make an assumption based on what I know about these people, they don't have on other than they must shout down any and all individuals who hold civil libertarian views. So these were anti-fuck, uh, critical race theorist types and their, their, their whole attitude is just prevent the conversation from happening.
1: What was the conversation that you were looking to have that night?
0: Uh, ending violence, racism, and authoritarianism. So we actually had some, uh, what is the
1: conversation they thought you were having?
0: That's, that's the conversation they thought we were having. Daryl, Daryl Davis is very famous. I've like, heard of him, They don't yeah. look, they don't look at our event and see a mixture of different voices across the political spectrum in the headline. The headliner was this famous black man who de-radicalized Klan members who got a standing ovation. They don't see that and say... From
1: a, some ex-Grand Wizard of the KKK or something, and there's a picture of him like... after. Oh, no. Killed, oh,
0: 200 Klan like members. It's and still turn, happening. And he, he, still and he gets still, emails yeah. and, and they, stuff in the mail. I
1: like saw a two-hour two interview with him on Rogan a few years yeah. ago. He so, was just on last week with, yeah, Rogan, yeah. with Bill. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, yeah. So,
0: so you have a speaker like that. We had a mixture of some social justice activists, like left-wing individuals, as well as right-wing and libertarian individuals, and not a single white nationalists or alt-right or any of that. It was like a relatively like centrist, libertarian, slightly center-right to actual far leftist speaking there with our headliner getting a standing ovation from the audience. There's no way they look at that and they say, these are white supremacists. Now, that's what they told the press, and the press uncritically publishes it. Then they go to the venue and say, you have a bunch of white supremacists. We want you to cancel it. Apparently, they threaten to burn the theater down. So the guy... You know, he calls me and he's like, shut it down. No business is
1: going to want to be associated with that. That's the problem. And there's going to be very few that are going to want to deal with the aftermath after they've gotten your money for one evening. So, so it sounds
0: a, like to go back to what you were saying about the middle ground existing, it exists in small private underground conversations that people can't find out about.
1: I think it exists largely. It's just the people that were doing that are the type of people who were going to threaten to burn a theater down. They are not the majority of middle ground people. They're a very small minority that just so happens to be the loudest and the most active. The and people that actually are, are are in the middle ground, they they have lives. Like you know, when I have conversations with legislators, I'll often tell them when they'll go, you know, there are fourteen lobbyists against right to repair, you know, and only one person here, and I'll go. Yeah, they're on a farm. They're, they're, they're the reason that you have something to eat. They don't have time to drive two hours and then sit here waiting for three hours so they could speak for three minutes. That's not a good use of their time. No offense. I'm not try, trying to be mean to you, but they, they this is not what they do. The middle ground people are out there making sure that we have electricity and food and water and computers and everything else. They don't have time for this shit. They don't have time to start to burn a theater down. You're right. Uh,
0: the issue is... They are the majority. What happens initially, and I agree, but what happens initially is that corporations and politicians only hear one voice.
1: They hear the people who are the loudest and they hear the people who are the most obnoxious. And the people who are the most obnoxious are often the people that don't have jobs, don't have lives, don't care about their reputation and exactly. that threaten to do things like that.
0: And so what these legislators do is they assume if regular working class people won't speak up for this and won't have my back, when I speak up for them, I won't. So we had a we had a guy in here, Terry Schilling just last week, who said he's he runs an organization that's basically the NRA for families and he was explaining how i believe it was the governor of north carolina is that what he said
3: i think so there
0: was a governor who said if you know if you support a particular bill all of like these conservative groups were like we will have your back and he was like okay <gasps> right. and then when it came to the politics they all abandoned him and so he was like the only thing i see then is the is the left coming out and using force and actually following through so that's that the issue i see is moderates don't really have advocates in my, for the most part, because, you know, moderates are moderate for a reason. They're like interested in hearing what you have to say, or they're undecided. So you have, you know, a variety of right, a variety of left, and some centrist in between, and there's a, there's a conversation happening that, for the most part, the right is unwilling to stand up be- behind, and the left is absolutely willing to stand up and yell about. So you'll end up seeing, Amazon, Walmart, Xbox, all these video game companies publishing statements in support of Black uh, statements in support of Black Lives Matter and left-wing politics. Then when it comes to the vote, you end up with a 2020 that looks very much like it just did with a Joe Biden winning, and now you have all the politics that come after it. I think, for the most part now, what's happened in this country has become so irrefutable that regular people are like, I'm voting Republican. The the, the general ballot uh, uh midterm general ballot polling is favoring Republicans by like at 5:30, it has it at 2.4, and Real Clear Politics has it at 3.7, which is absurd because it's always Democrat up. So now that's inverted. They're expecting it's going to be like a, a crushing defeat for Democrats. Ultimately, I don't think that'll solve anything. But the issue then becomes if regular people don't really pay attention because they're too busy with their lives then all that really ends up happening is they'll say, okay, I'm not going to vote for the Democrat this time. I'll vote, for, I'll vote for the Republican. But the Republican is just democrat light. It's going to be the exact same policies, the exact same play, the exact same corporatism. Or at the very least, they'll say, you know, we're going to pause things for here. And then once Democrats get reelected, they, they kick things back into high gear and keep moving forward.
2: Hmm. Yeah. I'm, uh, I was just thinking about,
0: about creating
2: the reality we want with our words. And how it's kind of disingenuous to say like things are good if they're not because it's like you're a realist. I'm kind of an idealist in, in, in this in this dis- description anyway. We're both kind of moderate. But there is something to saying like re- this is the way reality is just describing the way you want it to be even if it's not yet so that people start to believe it and start to work towards it. But it's also disingenuous when because this is like the no truth but power like you can't just say that something is and then it expect it to be like but if you don't say that it is, it's never going to happen. So, I don't know, man. It's like you, we need a, we need a, like an ethical person to manipulate people to the to the ends that we need that it's going to be better for the species. Nah, see, that's the ends justifying the means.
1: But, but ethical but manipulation sounds you, like a
2: yeah, it does. Sounds crazy, but that's like what what, this what is we do to each other. Like
0: having a conversation, we're manipulating each other with our words right now. This is this is like uh, um, what all of these big NGOs and you know global. Uh, uh, you know, billionaire types, elites, that's their mentality. I'm concerned that without a leader, going to get. Manipulation has an
1: element of negativity to it. I don't think right. you're doing it I with a negative intent. Well, to it. I, I like, it right like right now, manipulating this hat. I'm, I'm holding
2: it, I'm moving it around, I'm manipulating it. Yeah, it's but just, when you're a, talking about just a manipulating a friend. person.
0: You're talking about. Controlling
2: them like, into, make, into doing things you want them to do. If you're hugging your wife, you're manipulating her body, you're manipulating her, but it's not a negative sense. You know, it can be moderate, it can be even be good. If you're pulling someone out of a burning fire, you're manipulating them away from the fire.
0: This is a justification for authoritarianism. I well, the agree. thing is,
2: without a leader, I'm afraid that the, 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 the good U.S. Constitution is going to get scrubbed and burned.
0: Yeah, man. You know what? The rock in the hard place. The reality is that people on the right be it you know and and I I mean this as the the colloquial culture war right, which includes center centrist libertarians and like post liberal types as well. That they don't stand up. They don't go out. They almost never protest. When conservatives go out and protest, they get smeared and, and, and slammed by the media and labeled as all the worst things in the world. And so for that reason, I think there's a there's a good chance that, uh, you know, not there's a good chance, but the left, the cultural left, the, the critical race theorist left, all that, they've gained a lot of ground. That being said, I think if you look at the polling coming out of 538 and politics is the aggregates. The Republicans and the cultural right have probably gained way more ground. And like you're saying, most people, you know, are probably feeling this way more in the middle than, than anything else, at least out there in the real world. The question is... If the perception is that the majority is on the left, people will be unwilling to speak out. So let me, let me let me do this. Let me let me pull up this story and give you a really good example. We have this story from FoxNews.com: a VA Tech swimmer rips NCAA transgender participation policy. Feels like the final spot was taken from me. Reka Georgi. Is, is that, am, am I pronouncing that wrong? Is it Gyorgy? Gyorgy. Gyorgy. Yeah, wrong that Georgi? Georgi. Giorgi. Because Georgi sounds really bad. Yeah, yeah, it
3: doesn't sound good. Missed <laughs>
0: the cut for the. I'm not trying to do that. I just I'm like I don't know. Missed the cut for the uh, consolation final in the 500 free at the uh, NCAA championships. So um, this, this swimmer uh, hit, uh, ranked 17th and thus was booted out of the finals and then issued a statement saying it's not fair because Leah Thomas, who won first place, is a biological male, and that's why she got bumped.
3: Mm.
0: I'll tell you why I take issue with this. And it, and it exemplifies what I was just saying. A moment ago, I was explaining how the, the culture war right doesn't stand up. Or better, a better way to put it is the middle The, the, the not super political individuals who are just working and living their lives don't stand up. So you were, you were saying just a moment ago that, you know, regular people out there in the world are probably closer to the middle, you know, but they have lives and jobs. The people at this, in the, in this, uh, competition, the NCAA, uh, women's league, apparently, it's been reported privately, are all outraged that a biological male is competing against biological females. But not a single one of them publicly comes out and says, I am upset about this. I do not feel it is right to have me compete in this situation. They could, at at the very least, say, I am issuing a protest to the fact that we are being told we have to compete against a biological male, but I will swim. They could do that. They won't even do that. And it it, only after the one person who just got bumped by one slot (laughs) loses, do they come out and say, this is unfair. Here's why I find this fascinating. Where is the person who got 18th? Why aren't they complaining and speaking up? Oh, because it didn't matter. They would not have won. Whether, if, if Laya Thomas was removed, they'd be 17th, they still would not have made the finals. Why isn't the person who's in 16th complaining? They made the finals! What do they care? Right. The person who got 17th was bumped by one space, and they've got a scapegoat for what, what's upsetting them. Now, if people in the middle actually did care about this, and apparently, like, look, behind the scenes, a letter was issued, parents have been complaining. If they, if they don't speak up, and stand up for what they actually believe in and are worried about, then they're just going to lose. And w- what am I supposed to do? Just assume their feelings and speak up for them? I mean, I will, but this is the main issue. Right now, this is a left ideological position that a biological male is competing against females. This uh, Leah Thomas is six foot four, broad shoulders, much much larger than all of the other women. Was actually, I think, ranked number eight in the men's division. Now, a lot of people are posting uh, a meme showing that Leah Thomas was ranked 462 or whatever. That was after he- Hormone Replacement Therapy knocked Leah Thomas to the bottom of the rankings. Ah, okay. And then oh. everyone started saying, look, it's a bottom-ranked male. Actually, um, before transitioning, was actually one of the top-ranked males and now is the number one female. But my, my point is this. If you're in the middle and you're not paying attention, you're not speaking up, this is, what, this is what's happening. These people privately are complaining about it. Okay, well, if I know they're mad, at least we can assume they are, they're going to lose everything. These young women are not going to win gold ever again, and it's their own faults for not standing up and actually issuing a, a complaint about what's going on.
3: So here's the issue I have with people not standing up for women's sports. They specifically asked for a women's division. I remember learning about Title IX in high school. That was quite a while ago but that's, that's the point point. Um, and I remember thinking okay I think it's cool that women have their own division that they can compete in that they're only competing against other women awesome if you fought for something like that you need to defend it and women are highly agreeable I see women just going along to get along but I tweeted earlier and I firmly believe that if women don't stand up against this if women don't refuse to swim with this um, false swimmer they deserve to lose, hundred percent. They deserve they deserve to lose all the time. They deserve no more gold medals ever. They don't deserve their own league, because if you're not going to stand up for what whoever came before you fought for, then you clearly don't think it's important. You don't think your scholarship's no, no, no. important.
0: I got to I, I got to add, many of the women in this league have actually spoken up in defense of Leah Thomas. Really? So, yes, one hundred percent. And even in th- this woman, uh, Rekha Georgi. Oh yeah. It, she actually stated in her complaint, I fully stand with and respect Leah Thomas. She's no different from the rest of us who wake up every day and train hard. It's like, okay, I, I, I think to be completely honest, and, and I mean this legitimately, Rekka is only complaining because she lost and she got bumped and she has a scapegoat.
3: To, I think you're right. To, and this is exactly a case of women being too agreeable. You can't give someone a foothold like that. You can say, I respect them as an athlete. Fine, but they should never compete against other women. But why are you, point.
0: why are you assuming they're opposed? If they publicly say they're for Leah Thomas, why would anyone assume they're opposed to it? Well, they
3: wrote the letter. You know, they talk behind the scenes. You know, we really don't like being in the locker room with this guy. And I'm. it's, it's, it's obvious that this makes them uncomfortable and they know there's something wrong, but they're not saying, I so, will not swim with him.
0: So we'll operate under that premise. Behind the scenes, we have seen letters issued by the parents complaining, saying their daughters are upset and they feel like, you know, they're being cheated or whatever. Okay. Well, the issue is if publicly they won't fight for it, they lose it. Yeah. So we're operating the assumption they're upset it's all happening but these are the regular people who are working who are going to school. Deep down many of them know they're being slighted being wronged they're upset but they won't do anything about it so what do we do?
2: Look to Caitlyn Jenner, one of the sages of our time. I mean, if you're going to talk <laughs> to anybody about transgender in sports, Caitlyn Jenner is the person who used to be Bruce Jenner, biological male, transitioned to Caitlyn. Bruce was an Olympic athlete. I think he won gold medals. As I far think so. Yeah, as, he was oh, like yeah, super yeah. famous. On Weedies boxes. Yeah, yeah. Um, Of course, the father in um, the Kardashians now is transitioned Caitlyn Jenner and speaks out against this. Not says I have the balls to stand up for women and girls in sports.
3: <laughs> My gosh, actually, Caitlyn says, Jenner actually yeah, said, that "I have the tweet." Yeah, I'm yeah. looking at the sure tweet did, right now. Yeah. I retweeted
2: it. Pretty snarky. Um, She says that she's not about to stand up for transgender rights. She's here to protect women's sports. That's the point. And transgender rights, yeah, you're going to get transgender rights. But women in sports and women's sports is a unique, it it needs to be protected.
3: I think that Caitlyn is a perfect person to speak out about this because Caitlyn used to compete at the Olympic level and then transitioned to try to be more feminine. So here, let's look at the tweet. Oh my gosh. Caitlyn
0: Jenner was responding to Pink News who said, Caitlyn Jenner launches another disgraceful attack on trans athletes without a hint of irony. And Caitlyn Jenner said, no, I just had the balls to stand up for women and girls in sports. And I didn't believe that tweet was real. No, yeah. And a bunch of other people were responding to screenshots of it saying there's no way that's real. It's real. But it's real. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, look, I don't, I don't know, you know, going back to what we were saying before in the previous conversation about, um, just everything that's been going on in the culture war, if most people are upset about what's happening and feel like they're in the middle ground, but none
1: of them actually speak up, then it's just going to get worse. I would even say that that's proof that they're Caitlyn Jenner's part of the middle ground.
0: Mm, yeah. Oh, absolutely.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. She probably disagrees with somebody like Ben Shapiro on the Daily Wire and certain trans issues, but she also obviously disagrees with the idea of, of uh, who's com- you know uh, biological. somebody who was born as a biological man competing with a biological woman in a sport.
0: But I think, I think the issue is that um, what we would refer to as the right in the culture war incorporates post-liberal all the way to, to far right, actually. So you have this massively eclectic group of people with varying different opinions. Caitlyn Jenner would absolutely be considered on the right. Uh, Blair White, who's, who's trans, is considered right-wing. Right. Um, you know, well, who else? Jimmy Dore. They call him a leftist with an asterisk hmm. because they're like, he, 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 he's a, well, sure, he's a socialist, but, you know, he just espouses right-wing talking points, so he's right-wing. So, so the issue is, what well, Caitlyn Jenner would be, I mean, it is called right wing. So they're they're not part of the left wing argument in 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 this in, in the cultural debate. The 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 middle ground, if you're actually talking about how people feel, the middle ground is right wing.
3: Hmm.
0: So that's that's another reason why I would say there's no middle, because if you come out and say, like me for instance, I say I support progressive taxes. Admittedly, I think it's a problem just to take money and give it to the government. But I think income inequality is a huge problem. I think systemic racism is a problem. I'm pro-choice. They would say I'm still right-wing, even if I hold those positions are clearly uh, um, social left. You know, right, na- right now, we, I mean, we'll, we'll get into the story in a second about Dave Rubin and conservatives. But mm. if I say things that are clearly economically left and social left, doesn't matter. Because my view of the world or my ideas on civil libertarianism don't sync up with the left, they would say it's right-wing. So then if, if if my positions are not in the middle, then what's the, what's the middle?
1: It just
2: depends I have no on where idea. you're standing. Yeah. It's all relative. Yeah. No idea? No. it's. it's I think it's intended to be obfuscatively uh, confusing.
3: Well, the issue is that the left, the far left, is controlling all of the institutions. So in a perfect world, we could just ignore all of this and say, well, 99% of people are in what would be considered the middle by the far left. They're not really right. They just don't agree with the far left. The There's a meme the about it. Power. Yeah.
0: There's, there's a meme, the political compass, where the top authoritarian left says oh, yeah. the left and everything else is far
1: right. Yeah, is it so, the left that controls every institution, or so, or would it be neoliberal kind of people? Like, would you that, consider that would somebody like Sergey Brin, you know, or somebody that you know, the, the CEO of Apple or the CEO of Google or the CEO of Facebook? Are those leftists, or are those people who are more neoliberal well, who will tweet the right thing at certain times but never actually stand behind? So it?
0: the so the issue is when we're speaking about. At least when we do, you know, it's hard to we have to define our words. Here on this show, the left includes leftists and neoliberal establishment, and yeah. the reason the reason is that the leftists tend to align with, support, or vote for the neoliberals. Um, Biden being a good example. So I'll I'll say contrapoints, for instance, is a prominent trans woman and leftist YouTuber, but made a video saying you have to vote for Joe Biden. That being the case, you'll see many of these people, like uh, uh, on the left, like Vosh, we've had on the show, will call me a conservative. He clearly sees himself contrasted with me, even though he comes on the show and we like we agree on certain things. Granted, he's been accused of harboring very abhorrent, you know, views himself. Whatever what he believes is is, is entirely unto himself. The issue is that it's more like it's like what matters most is tribe, not principle or fact. So I can come out and be like I think Donald Trump represents the worst of American culture but I certainly think he was the better choice to vote for whereas the left is like we don't care about all of the corruption we've complained about 3 years ago with Hillary Clinton we're going to vote for Joe Biden anyway or they make up some reason to hate Donald Trump or leftists who you know agree with the mainstream media's narratives even though they've been lied to 800 times in the past 10 minutes so it's at that point like you can You can see the distinction between the spheres of influence well, there there's a bunch of different ways to define the the different factions, but you know in the right you have people who are skeptical and discerning of news and demanding of facts, and on the left you have the media reported this time, so it must be true. Oh, that was wrong, but this one the media reported, so it must be true.
1: Are they? Because I've seen a lot of uh, right-wing Facebook people that I know, and they don't seem very discerning of a lot of the garbage that gets posted on Facebook. Yeah,
0: I mean, if we're talking about regular laymen, you're going to see a mixed bag of people who believe random nonsense. I will
1: just get I get a lot of news articles in my comments with somebody who say, hey, check this out, look at this, and then I'll check out the article, and I'll say, oh, that's a lot of interesting stuff that they didn't cite, and then I'll Google it, and it'll just all be BS, BS, But
0: but I'll clarify, too. I I specifically mean, like, among the, 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 the leaders of of, you know, uh, uh, you know, talking, sharing ideas, writing articles, you'll see on the left they repeatedly fall for every single hoax. The right certainly does fall for some. You know, we had this conversation last week, but I, I can go through the whole list of every Black Lives Matter protest that turned out to be a false narrative, like Trayvon Martin, Michael Brown, uh, Ahmed Arbery is a really good example, mm. just over and over and over again. Then you can look at the Covington kids, you can look at Jesse Smollett, you can look at Ukraine Gate, all of these stories proven to be false. The laptop being the most egregious. And the issue is... When you have leftists and neoliberals, either pretending to believe or genuinely believing stories that keep getting proven false, I
1: think Trayvon Martin and uh, Jesse Smollett would be different categories altogether. One no. is an area of, fun- of somewhat disagreement on how something should have gone, and the other was, "I just made this up." Mm. You know?
0: Well, no, no, no. Trayvon Martin was the media edited. The nine one one call from, yeah. from George Zimmerman to make it seem like he was oh, racist.
1: I, I, okay that's what it is. Oh, no, yeah. You're talking about also where they media. made George Zimmerman look whiter by right. photoshopping him.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So what uh, I mean is that people okay. keep falling for me. I understand for that. Okay. Yeah. The the, the the corporate press will put out a lie, and then one group of people just says that's true. And then six months later they're like, well, it was wrong, but this story's
1: true. I remember seeing when they when they edited the way that he uh, looked when they edited his his facial color that was kind of aggravating.
0: Well, they they edited the the nine one one call. Where the 911 operator asked his race, they cut that part out. So it <laughs> sounded like he was just saying he's suspicious looking because he's, you know, he's black. But what really happened was he says he looks suspicious. And they said, how tall is he? He's like 5'10 and what's he wearing? He's wearing a hoodie. And what's his race? I think he's black. They edited all that out. So uh, Michael Brown, hands up, don't shoot. Now you have don't say gay. Just media lie after media lie after media lie. And, and, and these people just keep believing it. At a certain point, I have to say, they're probably not believing it. They're probably just lying.
1: The problem with doing things like that that erodes people's trust is that they're willing to go to the other side, and the other side can lie to them as much as they want because they have gotten... Because they just don't like this side as much as they do.
0: And it happens. People mm-hmm. who yeah. just all of a sudden are like, my political belief has now, you know, been swayed because I'm hearing an argument from someone who's been honest to me about these other issues. Once somebody's
1: honest to you about the, these things that you've been lied to, it's very easy for that person to then lie to you about everything else and for you to be less critical and then sure. for the pendulum to swing in the other direction and go right. back and forth.
0: Yeah, so, you know, the way I see it is, at a certain point people will see like 10 stories in the mainstream press that are all lies and then they'll turn to a conservative and say, tell me the truth. And they'll say, well, you know, those things are lies, right? Okay. Now this was a truth. You know, here's the truth here. And they'll say, okay, I believe you because I I have no, I I don't know who else to trust, right? If you, if you're honest to me about these issues, you're probably honest about this one. And so, you know, ultimately therein lies the big problem, which is the middle ground. I guess the right are people who just don't trust the establishment anymore. Is that one way to put it? It's like the media reports it and you're like, I don't believe it. You know,
2: I kind of see it a little bit more as weak-minded people and strong-minded people uh you get weak-minded people on any any side extreme leftist extreme right as people that just buy the bull and that's a matter not everyone's always weak-minded sometimes strong-minded people become weak-minded because of bad diet not enough sleep stress sometimes weak-minded people get strong-minded because of the adversity and they they struggle through adversity but that's that's more of a category as i split these people look let, let,
0: let's pull up this smear Oh boy! Forbes publishes an article titled "Dave Rubin is being rejected by his own audience." All right, all right. Well, a lot of people have criticisms uh, criticisms of Dave Rubin, but um, I don't think this headline actually fits what is being accused of Dave Rubin. It's the weirdest. It's clearly a lie, and this is once again the game being played. The story is: I'll, I'll simplify it, and then we'll go through it. Dave Rubin and his husband are having two children through surrogacy. Prominent Christian conservatives say, I disagree with gay marriage and I disagree with birth through surrogacy. Therefore, you know, we'll, we'll issue statements of criticism towards Dave Rubin. That's very, very different from saying that his own audience has turned against him because like a handful of public figures who are Christian conservatives are having conversations with him where they say they disagree and they don't like his lifestyle. You know, if his audience turned against him, you'd expect like he's losing millions of subscribers or, you know, tens of thousands. He's getting disliked like crazy and that's not happening. So here, here here's the point of this article in my opinion. They've not written an article to inform anyone of anything. They've written an article to just rile up people who already hate Dave Rubin mm-hmm. so they can be like, "Haha, I was right the whole time. Dave Rubin's a bad person." There's there I I don't genuinely know like if anything is to be gained by media doing things like this. And so, you know, I'll I'll do a throwback when you said that Twitter is just, you know, negative impulses. I think that's where the entirety of the media is at. Well, mm-hmm. if I read
1: Forbes' own description of themselves, the first reaction that I have to this before I even care about the story is they say, Forbes is a global media company focusing on business, investment, technology, entrepreneurship, and leadership. <laughs> and, like, you're writing about a dude that decided to have a kid mm. while he's gay with a husband. Yeah. I mean, that's you know, right. Slow News Day? I mean, Yeah. yeah. Why do I, I, I don't care. I mean, this well, Why? It yeah, isn't. maybe
0: maybe what we there's, need there's a
1: lot of money to be made in making people think the world is worse than it is, the world is more divided than it is, and we yeah. hate each other more than we do. And I think everybody's looking to get in on it as much as humanly possible. And I find it disgusting. Not everybody, but so, yeah. so enough people are that it's raising an alarm bell.
0: I don't. I, I I would say there are certainly the grifters as we call them who want to get in on it. I wonder if also people are genuinely just in that world and it's making it worse and it's making it more pronounced. So the more stories like this come out, the more people rile, get riled up, the more they talk about it. I, I genuinely think there are a lot of people on the left who truly believe what they're saying. And every day they come out saying, you know, the Republicans are worse than the Nazis or whatever. I think they really believe it. I think they're, they justify it in their own minds. I certainly think there are people on the right who do the same to the left. However, I think the tendency on the right is they tend to know what the left is thinking. So they have a more balanced view of what the culture war actually is. And the left just keeps one-upping up, one everything and getting more and more absurd.
3: Yeah, that's definitely true. And I think one of the things that I have observed with the right is that people say, oh, um, well, one of the things I've noticed is that the right is constantly more well-versed in what the left thinks and the left is and what the right thinks because we are constantly exposed to what the left believes because as i said earlier the left is in charge of the institutions especially journalism and that's why i think that such a majority of twitter is so left-leaning is because most of them are journalists how do you
1: define that though i mean when i hear somebody say the left it, that could be almost anything from michael bloomberg to Vosch. i mean that's it's a very both. very it, large it include, spectrum it
0: does include yeah, it is
3: yeah. a spectrum yeah, yeah. for sure yeah. So
1: so the
0: challenge when having conversations, actually, someone super chatted this. They said there's no middle ground. There's only uninformed people or something like that. Hmm.
1: And so the, the issue is. I would disagree. I think that person probably has 40 different things that they most likely down a checklist like this, 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 this. And if somebody disagrees with them on one of them.
0: It depends on where you're where you're at. Right. If, if so, if you're an economic left on like healthcare care and you go to a healthcare convention where there's like a bunch of conservatives talking and you're arguing for universal health care, they're going to call you a leftist. You know what I mean? So if, it depends on which issue you're, you're particular, you're specifically on. Yeah. But uh, to back to my earlier point, though, uh, that the point I made earlier, if you're in the middle genuinely and you stand up and speak out, you are instantly right wing. So, for instance, these uh, the reason the NCAA swimmers won't speak up about the biological male in the competition is because, as they've stated privately, they're scared they'll be ostracized or kicked out and won't be able to compete, or they'll lose all their, their career opportunities. They'll be kicked out of school or they generally just have their life ruined. These are people who are in the middle. I mean, these these, these are these are people who are not pronounced, uh, uh, you know, uh, one way or the other who can't say a word because they'll be called far right. If
2: someone, if I went to give a speech and someone started calling me a name, like, hey, rightist, hey, you're far left, hey, you're a centrist, I would see that as them deflecting what I'm talking about and avoiding the conversation. It's just kind of like a placation. It doesn't, it doesn't
1: People try is. to figure out who you are so they can figure out whether they should dismiss your beliefs without engaging with them.
3: Mm.
2: What a crazy world we live in. Yeah. I understand that you do want to discern, like I don't want to go smell the poop to know that it stinks. I already know it stinks. So like I don't need to know every piece of poop to like, know that poop stinks. COVID
1: for me was one of the best examples that there was very that there was somewhat diminishing middle ground in public discourse. Like for instance, I'll get all of these comments that say, you know, the reason that this stuff still exists is because idiots like you were wearing a mask in the beginning. The more you if you comply, you will never stop. It's like I had, people in the store were wearing masks back when the television told us that you, you were a hypochondriac if you did that. Right. right. We did that because I told them very clearly if everybody gets sick at the same time, payroll here is $20,000 a week, rent is 12000 a month, uh, here's how much money is in the bank, here's how much I can afford to pay you all if you all get sick and we don't have any money. So everybody decided to wear one. Uh, you know, just, to, just, just, if, because we didn't know what the hell was going on yet, so right. let's just stay safe. But I didn't close my business. I'm not gonna close my business and just, you know, not make anything for that entire time and just economically destroy myself. So people who were a little bit more left would say, you know, you're e- I got hate mail under my door for April of 2020, like consistently
0: um, for being open.
1: Yeah, because I was staying there to finish the shipping because the shipping person and the the receptionist were staying home. So I was doing the job of both. So I would stay a little late and I, I would go to the bathroom after closing the lights and come back and I'd see hate mail under my door after eight. But there was a you know, they would say, how dare you? You're some evil capitalist staying open. And then people that were on the right would say, you know, you pussy, why are you wearing a mask? And mm. it's like, I mean, I'm not saying that you not should April have to close though. your business. I'm not saying that you should have to close your business, but uh, but uh I'm going to do the basic things that I can do just to, if there's any chance of it increasing my likelihood of surviving and increasing likelihood of the business surviving, why not? And it's like, it was just one or the other from so many people and it was very boring. So the person who said there's no middle ground, I think there is middle ground. Like even on an issue like COVID, I am not going to say... It's usually either this doesn't exist, this is a hoax, you're an idiot, or be afraid until 2030. And it's like, there is a middle ground of I will live my life, here are the minor modifications I will make that don't have a cost, here are the modifications that have a great cost that I'm not willing to make, and I, you know, I weigh it and I do it that way.
0: But is the middle ground having an impact on policy?
1: Is the middle ground having an impact on
2: policy?
0: Yeah, I think the answer is no. Well, I did
2: see the CBS has, did an article about Hunter Biden's laptop. It's on CBS now. I think the us, being kind of a middle ground, I feel like a middle ground force, pushing this Hunter Biden yeah. thing, it's it's broken through. It's affecting policy. Only after it doesn't matter, It's it policy. Right. Only it after it doesn't matter. I mean, just to get that knowledge out into the mainstream is important because it may in 2024 end up being a bigger deal than we realize.
0: Yeah, yeah, maybe. But um, I wonder if that has anything to do with the middle ground. I mean, the, the the conversation on Hunter Biden's laptop needed to happen in October, and it was shut down by big tech and in the, the corporate
1: press. I don't think the middle ground has as much of a of an effect on policy. If it did, again, in New York, uh, you had uh, mass mandates, business closures, and everything else. in other states, they're uh, saying if you want some, if you let's say if this if you ask the schools to make people wear masks, you know, we're not going to give you money. So it's literally one way or the other. It's not. It, it's the the radicals on each side that have the, that have an effect that, on policy.
0: But, but see, so here's the issue I take with that is. If uh in Florida they say schools can't require masks, that's the government telling the government it has restrictions. If the government tells a private individual they can't open their business, that's the government imposing on private individuals. One's bad, one's government restriction.
1: I would rather err on the Florida side than the New York side, just yeah. to <laughs> make it obvious where I am yeah. there. But uh, I didn't even know if our that order applied to repair shops because they actually edited. On March 20th, 2020, when Cuomo did the pause order, it read as if the only places that can stay open are places that are doing technology repair for the government. And then they edited the website to make it sound like it was anybody that is doing technology repair. But I, I still stayed open. I, I would err on the side of Florida before the side of New York.
0: The other thing is, in terms of the COVID response at the governmental level, the left would say like, oh, Trump's failures or the Republicans' failures led to X deaths. Whereas you had, you know, Cuomo, Wolf, you had, um, what's his face in New Jersey? What was it? What was Murphy. Guy? Murphy. Yeah. You had, um, uh, um, man. Whitmer. You had Whitmer and and who else did it? Who else? What was the other governor? Newsom,
3: I think. Uh, Illinois it, Governor Newsom, Quitzker? I think, did
0: it. These are they, 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 they all literally murdered people, right? Yeah, right. So they so during COVID they they actually with knowledge put COVID patients in nursing homes, resulting in mass death. Right. Cuomo, for instance, was warned by like his 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 chief of health or whatever. If you put sick people in nursing homes, you will kill people. He doesn't
1: strike me as the type of person that likes to be told no
0: by yeah. anybody. But but so so think about what that means. I mean, on the right it's like we are not going to in, the government will not intervene. But then people will die if you don't. Well, you know, it's your responsibility to figure it out for yourself. The government's not going to impose on the private establishments. Though they, you know, they they do for a for of reasons in this instance they were, you know, limited. And then in, in all of these big Democrat governorship states, they were like, "Oh, I mean, we'll literally kill people." Like they didn't have to. You know, in New York they had the Javits Center. They could have put sick people in the Javits Center and only reached 30% capacity. Yeah, shit, they yeah. used
1: that, they, they, I think, didn't they have the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers build a hospital in the Javits Center?
0: They yeah. did. And yeah. it, was at, it was at 30% capacity, but instead of putting patients there, Cuomo said, you know, he'd rather just kill elderly people in nursing homes. I
1: know they sent the USS Comfort, but there were a lot of complaints saying that they were not allowed to take a bunch of different patients. So it kind of wound up. Be, they they claimed it was more of a PR stunt for Trump than it was actually helping. I only read one article on that, so I'm not as well informed. But I know that the Javits Center was supposed to be built to be a, a hospital.
0: Yeah, and it wasn't. It wasn't used. Like, I mean, thirty percent, I think, was the was as high, high, as, it, high as it got. Yeah, and then seventy
1: percent of the real estate that city probably isn't even used. I yeah. mean, they could have built a lot.
0: So, yeah. so just you know, therein lies the main point. If you know, once again, back to the, what we are talking about. If you go to the middle and ask them, they'd say, put the sick people in the Javits Center. But the Democratic establishment was like, no, kill kill the elderly in the nursing homes. And, and it was done in like five different states. They did was that this. the
1: Democratic establishment or was that Cuomo being a dumbass?
0: That if, it, if it was just Cuomo, then it's you would have governance. seen it with Whitmer, Murphy, yeah. Wolf, and Newsom. Yeah. All of these different Democrat governors all doing the same thing. Did
1: and they all have a nursing home scandal? Because I didn't follow every other state. The only thing I know about Whitmer yeah, yeah. was the they, Walmart they thing where you're allowed to go in aisle 11 but not 13.
3: Right, yeah. <laughs> let's let's triple
0: check, though. You want to you, you, you pull that up? I'm yeah, pretty we'll sure they all did the same thing.
3: Yeah, you know. I believe so. And in fact, one oh, of our – Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And in um, Pennsylvania, it was Rachel Levine, the transgender admiral – She took her mother out. – who took their, their parents out of the nursing home right. before they did it. right. So, I mean, they knew what they were doing.
3: Well, one of our friends, Charlie Lee Duff, is actually suing Governor Whitmer over this stuff. Right. Yeah, so I know it happened there. And it wasn't as big a scandal as it was with Cuomo, but it was a very real problem for that. Yeah, it was almost like an afterthought
2: from the Cuomo
0: thing, but it it is a big deal. Yeah. You got it too, Tim? So so all of these governors did the same thing, and and the people at the highest level knew what was going on. Clearly. Now, Now, it's possible it wasn't coordinated, but... That they were at least communicating as to what was happening with each other and taking actions. Meanwhile, regular people were seeing their parents die in nursing homes. So again, you go to an average person in the middle and they'll be like, hey, this is really, really bad. But if you come out and say the things we're saying right now, they'll call you right wing. I, I'm,
2: I, maybe I can talk about this later. <laughs> I'm just looking at Rachel Levine. All right. Well, we'll oh, save yeah. it for the afternoon. save, it, the, save health, it, yeah. the health, the health minister spicy. of let's, the United States. Look That's looking who very
0: that healthy. Is? Yeah. Let's talk about New York. Yes. Let's talk about New York City. We got this from the Daily Mail. NYC has worst unemployment rate in the U.S. at 7.6 because Manhattan workers and international tourists still haven't returned to
1: crime-ridden city post-COVID. I don't think it's the crime. I think it's the expense. I mean, if you have a business that was – most people don't like change. Most companies don't like change. So if you have a company that's massively profitable, why would you want to switch your entire management style and take a giant risk by having everybody work from home? But if your arm is twisted and you have no choice, it's either A, you go out of business, or B, you figure out how to make people work from home. You'll figure out how to make people work from home. And then once you figure out how to make everybody work from home, now you can say, you know what? Instead of paying $300,000 a month in rent for the entire floor of this office, what if we just paid ten for a satellite office? You're saving two hundred ninety thousand dollars a month, and if that's the case, why are you going to have everybody return? Mm. What's the point? Like I, I, I've walked home several times from you know my to my old apartment in uh Stuy from manhattan on 27th street i i, I didn't maybe it's just that because i'm used to it or i grew up there i'm missing something but i haven't felt any fear of crime on my walk home more than at least what i've ever felt right but it's just all <laughs> these places all these office buildings all these stores are they all save for rent i think that's the reason it's just if the office workers haven't returned if the businesses haven't returned then there's going to be less work for people think about think about this too if
0: you're a business based in new york let's say you're like buzzfeed right and you all you really do is you have people sit around writing articles about stupid garbage but they could write those garbage articles anywhere. Yeah. Now, cost of living in New York is high. It's very high. It's I think it's the highest in the in the country, right?
3: I think so. Yeah. It goes
0: up every year. It goes up it. every year, and plus New York City has the highest taxes, highest income taxes. So, uh, New York state plus city taxes makes your income your income tax the highest. California as a state has the highest, but I think New York City having like a was like a three percent. It's like three or
1: three and a half percent for per city, six or six and a half percent for per state, yeah. and it goes like I think it's slightly lower if you make less, but that, that, that's approximately what it is. I don't what even think it's the tax that does it. I think it's just the sheer well, no, 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 not no, having no. to come back to work.
0: No, no, no. The point I'm making, I'm, uh, what I'm pointing out with the with the taxes is that the cost of living is high. The average person needs to make like six figures to have a middle class life. I think in New York State it's like 150 to 175 k you need to make to be considered middle class because of the cost of living being so high. Like $3,000 on average for rent, I think it's gone up to like 4. So you're BuzzFeed and you're like if I want to hire someone in New York to come in the office and write about, you know, Brad Pitt's junk or whatever, <sighs> I got to spend 175k for a mid-tier talent. Hmm. Okay, well, you know, in rural, you know, up, upstate or even in like central PA where the cost of living is low, they can do the same work. We can do virtual meetings, you can metaverse or whatever. We can pay them 60 all right, hire, hire the guy in PA. So now the dude who's sitting in New York whose who's talent uh, tree includes writing about Brad Pitt's junk is sitting there being like, I can't get a job anywhere. Do you think that California making it uh, – I think
2: that what they did was made it illegal to have people not be employees but to be contractors for oh, like, yeah. writers and vloggers. you think that was a good or a bad move?
0: Bad move. It wiped out so much of their digital industry. It's, a, it's, it's, it's a laugh would be bad. Yeah. It was the unions that pushed for this bill. Did you, did you hear about this in California? I haven't. So This was I think like 2 years ago yeah, or more longer. Now. The unions pushed for this bill that said companies can't contra- hire contractors for a certain amount of tasks. And so this would result in like Uber having to hire people, I think. I don't I don't I think Uber may have got an amendment that defeated it or something. But it meant that if you if you uh, were a writer, a freelance writer, you could only write like 30 articles per year or something like that. It was like month. Yeah, it was yeah, it was a, it was a really month.
2: low amount per Yeah, month. so
0: like the average person might write like 5 or 6 articles per day. Now you can only do thirty. Well, the company, the California company, just says, "Okay, your contract's terminated." There's a guy in Arizona who can write the same thing for me, and he can work all day every day because Arizona doesn't have those laws. Or, or actually, what what it was is, companies in New York fired all of their California contractors and freelancers just overnight. All these, it was, it was like SB Nation, a Vox company, like terminated all of their California freelancers. Yeah, it
2: just doesn't synergize with the COVID narrative of work from home. Well, this was before COVID. Yeah, it was before COVID. I wonder if it was like a prep for this kind of contingency.
0: The I don't know, man. The working
2: from home thing changed my life. I used to work always on location. And then in 2010, I started working with Mines. And we just kind of worked from our laptops from a Starbucks or wherever. And man, the commute is really draining. I don't know. You, you say you take your electric bike to work now. That might that might be kind of refreshing. Twenty minutes. It's on fun, but bike. still, even
1: if if I didn't actually have to make that twenty or thirty minute trip, why would I? Exactly. And especially but if if I could pay one thousand in rent instead of twelve thousand in rent, then why would I not do that? I think but a lot of this is driven by economics more than it is by crime. So, but
0: you you have a, you have a physical location in New York City, right?
1: Unfortunately, that, <laughs> yeah. so people have
0: to physically walk in and hand you a, something to fix. So you can't. I mean, you could theoretically do the remote if what you bought something in the middle of nowhere and said, "Ship me your phone, and I'll fix it."
1: Yeah, but that would still require the employees to commute to that location and do the job.
0: Yeah. I, I just mean for, like, New York City, like, your job requires you to be a service on the ground in New York City yeah. for people of New York City. Some things, we're not going to be able to, re, you know, automate or re- remote or whatever.
1: Some things are never going to really be remote, fully remote. But what, a lot of stuff is.
0: What, does, does this, you know, have, has, it, has it forced you to spend more money? Or I'm sorry, charge more money for your services in New York City? Like, the fact that... Industry, you know, all these buildings are shut down. Less people are working. Unemployment's very, very high. You having to have a physical brick and mortar location. I'd assume costs are going up, right? My
1: costs went. My, all of my prices went up in 2012 when I opened a real store, rather than just you know work out of the park or anything like that. I haven't raised my prices anymore now because when people lose their jobs and everything else costs more money, they tend to not want to spend more money on their repairs. If your grocery bill is twice as much and you just lost your job from COVID, you're probably not. If anything, it was, people were asking for discounts nonstop in 2020 and early 2021.
0: But have, have your costs gone up now in the past couple of years with the pandemic?
1: My costs haven't gone up as a business. They went up it, not because of the what happened, but because I moved in 2019 at pretty much the worst possible time. Mm. I almost tripled my rent at the worst mm. possible time because well, business I mean, was doing this. And then literally I move and then it's like... Phew.
0: But food prices are up as well. I mean, food and gas and everything is up. That's got to have an impact on your business, right?
1: Personal, uh, personal, yes. For the business, not really.
0: I just feel like in, in, in the long run from this, all of it points towards certain things are going to become more expensive. Certain things are going to become cheaper things that have to be physical will probably get more expensive and things that don't have to be will probably get cheaper.
3: I
1: don't see how rent can get any more expensive in New York <laughs> City but it continues to.
0: I know what how yeah. are, is it
2: gets going to get to a point where they're like hey no one lives here anymore let's just drop the rent back down to I don't believe a any I don't
1: think anything there is supposed to be rented. Like it this started as a I, I didn't I didn't even intend for this to be like a real video series. I just was looking for a new <laughs> store in 2019 and I was so aggravated that every time I'd see a place they lied about it. I said I'm going to buy one of those little laser measures and I'm going to record the next time. What so did I, they lie about? Well, they would say it was eighteen hundred square feet. I would show up and it would be eight hundred, and then I would just—I wow. have my camera and I go, okay. So this says eight hundred. You said eighteen hundred. Why? And that video series was probably the most successful thing I've ever <laughs> done on YouTube. Like ninety-nine percent <laughs> of my channel probably doesn't even know that I fix MacBooks. They just see me as the real estate person wow. because of that. But all of these, a lot of these places, they would say, you know, if you don't rent it, it will be rented next week. We have all these clients lined up, and then I'll show up a year or two or three years later, and it's all empty. And yeah. it's. A, so why don't you lower the price like a little bit you have spaces that are the size of my store which was twelve thousand five hundred when i first rented it they were going for seventy five thousand a month and it's the same size as my location just two blocks this way and they they still won't be rented three or four or five years later and more and more of the city looks like this and the prices never go down with anything the office you know the uh, the office prices stay like that and they stay empty so this was happening before covid like the, the fact i there was just something needed to happen to kind of prick this little bubble so
0: has it gotten better or it's still getting worse or what
1: No, I mean, I I still walk by these places every day. Are they owned by megacorps
2: that are writing off the losses on their taxes or something?
1: I have no idea. The best thing... not that good. The best thing that I can imagine was this uh, one gentleman I'll quote on Reddit: uh, Laminar Flow, who was saying that a lot of these properties, let's say the, the mortgage will be owned by a bunch of investors as a commercial mortgage-backed security. And I'm probably misphrasing this because I've read it a year and a half ago. But you can't simply add, if the if you lower the rents in the property, the value of it goes down. If the value of it goes down. Well, your your collateral is the actual building, which means that the owner of the property would have to give up that amount of money, or it just
0: you know. Well, no, that'd be a default great thing. On the mortgage. You, 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 you'd write off uh, your losses. You could you could save money on taxes by doing that.
1: No, you you can't if you actually advertise the bill uh, the space at a lower rent. It winds up saying meaning that the building is worth less. And if the building yeah, is worth less, than your own. Oh, but if you have a mortgage on it, your collateral is the building. So oh, then, I you so see. let's say the building is worth three million. Now it's worth two. Well, you as the building owner need to give, now give the bank one million dollars in collateral in cash or in something I else.
0: I don't. I don't. I don't think that's true. I mean, I have mortgages and stuff.
1: I did read this on Reddit. I, the,
0: and I, I do think it is possible for mortgages to call in if the value of the house drops too low and the bank panics. But I'm, but I'm not sure how exactly how that works. I don't
1: know how it works with commercial mortgage-backed securities. Yeah. It was the closest thing that sounded like it made any sense, but I can't well, pretend I know.
0: I think what might be happening right now is prices, the, because uh, demand is is low, prices actually are dropping. But the reason you see the rent staying, you know, going up, going up, is because inflation is actually outpacing the rate at which the building should be decreasing in value based on supply and demand. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, well, a lot of these spaces are still going for one hundred to five hundred dollars a square foot. Yeah, and it's like that—that that, that doesn't make sense. That did—that didn't even make sense before COVID, because before COVID, these spaces were all empty. So after COVID, one—if people are, have left, then it definitely doesn't make sense. Well,
0: before COVID, it's just New York prime real estate. You're going to hold on to it because it's valuable. During COVID. Everything was, you know, decreasing in value, but inflation was actually getting really, really bad. And it's been consistently bad every month. At, for the past, what, six months? Every month, it's like, inflation is at a record. Inflation is at a new record. Inflation, it's like, inflation hasn't been as high, this high since the 80s, since the 80s. And it's, it's going up every, a little bit. If you actually do the calculation based on the 80s numbers, then, uh, inflation right now is actually the worst it's been since World War II. Then you also see the accusations. I think it might have been Thomas Massey who said this. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, Pelosi included a 21% congressional budget increase. Either that means she's giving everybody like a big raise during a crisis or to cover the cost of inflation for their congressional budgets, they just did a 21% increase, which says a whole lot about what inflation might actually be. So if the, the actual demand for these places is non-existent or gone down dramatically, then it should go from $100 a square foot to maybe $30 a square foot, Right. Then inflation hits, and it spikes right back up because it's New York, and things are just getting crummy.
1: Even if it was 20% inflation, if it went from 100 to 30, then it should only go up to, let's say, 36 well, yeah. or 38 or 40. But, but I mean, like,
0: New York is has a substantially higher cost of living, so going from 100 to 30 was just me being yeah. hyperbolic. Yeah, yeah. If it goes from 100 to, like, you know, 80, 85, and then it jumps up another 16, it goes back up to 100. So... Inflation. I mean, maybe that's. I'm just speculating. To be completely honest, I, I honestly don't know where we're going to go from here because I, I think you know almost all work we're seeing now from most of the millennial generation and lower is just not real work. You know, to be completely honest, what we're doing is work. Like we, you know, we show. Up, we I read the news all day every day, so I know stuff, and I and I and I read all this stuff. But man, it's kind of crazy to me that we sit in a room talking about things and it generates revenue Yeah, and I can buy food with it. Man, I don't make bread. I don't farm anything. That's wild. There are people who work at BuzzFeed who, like I said, write about Brad Pitt's junk or whatever, and they make $60,000 a year. And that's crazy because the dude loading the plane, I swear, I think we're very close to some kind of you know, Occupy-style revolt or whatever. Maybe this will be a catalyst in the Civil War or something like that, that... The people who load planes so that you can travel around get paid probably fifteen bucks an hour at this point. Yet the dude sitting in an office in New York with a finger up their nose, wondering like, "How can I call Trump racist today?" <laughs> is getting paid forty dollars an hour. Yeah, that, that is mind blowing to me. Something something doesn't make sense. Yeah. Certainly, I think working class people are going to lose it and just be like, "I am done with whatever this is." I mean, think about this. Let's say you work as you know uh, at an airline. And I I, I say this job because I did it, and we got paid ten bucks an hour back in like two thousand eight. Let's say you're working that job and you're getting fifteen bucks an hour right now, or maybe even twenty still. And then you're doing this job and you look up in that plane and you're thinking to yourself like, you know, truth be told, when you work for these companies, you get to fly for free. You get to you get you you have to pay the taxes on it, but you you get non rev flights standby. But you're wondering like, what is that guy up there doing? That twenty five year old dude with those thick black frame glasses. What does he do for a living? That he gets to fly on this trip to Nassau to go to the Bahamas, man. I, sh- I wish I could do that. Here I am doing all of this hard back-breaking work, 50,000 pounds per day, loading these planes. And I don't make enough money to go on these vacations. And who's that guy? I wonder what his job is. Now, these guys are probably assuming, like, must be a tech guy, must be a, a finance guy. And then the dude up there with the black framed glasses is like, Brad Pitt's junk was seen in a movie today, and he's making all that money so he can fly to the Bahamas. Hmm. Like, this system is broken, if you were to ask me.
2: Yeah, I have a feeling that the megacorps are coming to buy all the land, not all the land, but a lot of property, and like BlackRock Rock, um, State Street. They're going to buy up a bunch of property, and then there may be a revolt. Uh, an American revolt against the, the corporate landowners because it's like you may own it on paper but if you're not there you don't really have control of the property um, I, they'll have private security and then it's up to is the American government going to support the corporations and the, the law that says that they own it or are they going to support the people and the freedom against corporate monopoly because if you want to print $80 trillion and then give it to BlackRock to buy $80 trillion worth of property before inflation and then destroy the economy BlackRock doesn't get to own that
0: property you will own nothing and you will be happy.
3: Well, I suspect what's more likely to foment a revolution, because this infuriated me and I'm incredibly patient, uh, was something like the Bloomberg opinion talking about ways to save money. Some of the things you can do are not treat your pet if they have cancer, take the bus and eat lentils instead of meat.
0: So, wait, did it actually say not treat your pet if they have Literally cancer?
3: said that. Well, yeah, you know, pets are Insane.
0: A Look, uh, sooner or later, you all will realize you will own nothing and you will be happy. Yeah. Well, also, lentils are banging, by the way. That's fine. Yeah, lentils <laughs> are fine. Yeah. I don't care about Red that. L- well, let's, let's talk about owning nothing and being happy. Yes. We have this story from Wired. It's actually from a month ago, but it gets into the core of Right to Repair. It says, a fight over the right to repair cars turns ugly. In the wake of a voter-approved law, Subaru and Kia dealers in Massachusetts have disabled systems that allow remote starts and send maintenance alerts. Now, I'm not super interested just in that because I want to talk about the bigger picture, but I think this shows an interesting you know, uh, issue as it pertains to these big corporations and the rest of us who will eventually own nothing and be, be huh. happy. I'd just like to point out, like your iPhone, what, what is it? You don't actually own the software on it. You have a license to it, and they could brick. Oh, you can keep the phone, but we'll brick it remotely because we own the software, yeah. and you lose your license to it. This is a problem because we're losing ownership in things. We don't own movies anymore. We don't own the software on computers and when it comes to you actually buying a phone you can't even fix it without the company what they they they're denying your warranties you want it? so so louis you're actually the right to repair guy right
1: yeah i try to be
0: all right so tell us what's going on with this and uh yeah what's what's up with uh, what this means
1: there was a 2012 uh Law that was passed in Massachusetts where the, the automotive manufacturers would have to give independent dealer, independent mechanics access to what's needed to be able to repair your car. So diagnostic software and everything else, you'd have to make that available to them. And there was one loophole in it with regard to wireless. So there was a, so if you are doing all of this stuff wirelessly, then you won't have to deal with that law. So they were trying to close that loophole before everything winds up being done wirelessly so that they don't get locked out. And there was a ballot initiative and I believe it was 75% in favor, 25% opposed and uh, a group called coalition to, to
0: get rid of the wireless loophole or what
1: well to, to pass this so that there wouldn't be uh, any sort of loophole so that you'd still be able to and the idea that they're saying is that people now if, if you allow these independent mechanics to be able to use diagnostic software on the car that they are and also they, they were going to create uh, an open some sort of open data protocol so that they would be able to access it that they would then be able to follow you to a garage and sexually assault you wait so what well, th- there were a bunch of commercials done where there was a woman yeah. walking to her car, and it was a nice, very, very dark blue lighting. And she's getting into her car, and this scary music is playing. And right as before, she opens her car window, she looks behind herself, and she's about to get smacked by some dude. And the implication is that that dude is the car mechanic. These like, videos, the car take-
0: mechanic was kidnapping women.
1: And then there was another one where this car mechanic is slowly walking up on the garage. This woman is slowly closing <laughs> the garage door, and he what opens it up, and then he walks into her home. And you hear the scary music playing in the background. And the implication is that's the dude that fixes your car. So one of the, and th- this was paid for by Ford, Honda, Nissan, General Motors, and Toyota. They each contributed four to five million dollars. For those commercials, they were all scrubbed from the internet entirely because what? why would you want to be associated with this after you lose? But I archived them on my channel, and uh, there was, um, and that's what they were doing to try to get people to vote against it. Gonna, is there
0: a way to search for this real quick while you're talking?
1: It's on my channel. I think it's uh, right. to... Re- I forget the title of my own video, which is really, really <laughs> <You'll> remember. <laughs> it's somewhere on my channel. But if if you look for um, yeah, but- if you if you just look for the ballot initiative, what do you search for? I don't know. Uh, right well, to k- repair, k- sexual you know. assault probably is what. what how how long ago I mean. was it? This was in August of 2020.
3: Okay, and, so not too long ago. Yeah,
1: this was August 2020 that I made that video. And I, I put the video there and you can't find it anymore. And their website is completely scrubbed. They were trying to scare your average voter into believing that if independents are able to work on your car, that they'll be able to assault wow. you in a parking lot I think I and break into your home.
2: Called lobbyists Supply Right to Repair helps domestic abusers push racism. Is that the, yeah, that's it, that's it. That's yeah. it. That's it. Yeah, and the they also they also said uh, it was lobbyists racist. Lobbyist Supply Right to Repair, if you search that, you'll they find. They also
1: it. said it was racist, which is something we got Incredible. accused of in this very state, That uh, Right to Repair was racist yeah yeah i got accused of that literally two weeks ago uh it's in this video so if you fast forward to a minute there you go there you go wow let's play this let's play this all right
0: personal data stored in your vehicle domestic violence advocates say a sexual predator could use the data to stalk their victims pinpoint exactly where you are whether you are alone even take control of your vehicle
1: Vote no. I same first thing with all, OnStar. She, she should be looking behind herself the whole time she's
2: walking through that place alone, firstly. Yeah. And yeah that, well, like, you'd hear footsteps. Yeah, really.
1: Yeah, so they, they, they are looking to overturn that ballot initiative, so and they've been in court for this entire time. And the judge is actually starting to get kind of aggravated with their arguments and what they were saying because they said it's impossible for us to comply with this. Yet then Kia and Subaru complied by simply disabling their wireless systems altogether, which is – it's a discussion as to whether that's complying with it or evading it, but it aggravated the judge. So the judge is likely going to – there's a good chance that this winds up getting held up. And uh, yeah, I mean, if you buy a car, you should be able to fix it. You should be able to get access to the diagnostic tools. It shouldn't be something where it's like dealing with Apple, where you, if you want to be able to diagnose it, you have to wait for somebody to get a stolen schematic off of a truck in China somewhere, so that you could fix the forty thousand dollar car that you own.
0: I just want to point out the absurdity of them trying to play the racism angle, where it's just like they're probably sitting in a room like how can we get people to not be okay with this ooh call them
1: racist that, that 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 actually worked so in march what, of 20 really? yeah, in march of 2020 there was a right <laughs> wow. to repair bill hearing in uh, in maryland and there was One person who said, you know, uh, this bill talks about making source code available, which it doesn't. It doesn't mention source code once. It's never in the bill. And I said, uh, you know, this." and he said that, well, you know, by the way, viruses don't just appear out of nowhere. They appear because people have access to the source code. You could immediately hear every single person who was a Linux developer or systems (laughs) administrator (laughs) who knows that over 60% of the Internet is run on Linux, which is open source. Like just banging their head against the wall listening to this. (laughs) So I did a video uh, saying – with the testimony because I went there to record it and I also testified in this hearing to explain why this was wrong. And I listened to that video – I've listened to that video like a 100 times since I did it. I don't hear anything racist in it. I I try to channel my own like Ibram X. Kendi or – you know robin D'Angelo to try to figure out what i could have said or done that was wrong and i don't see it <laughs> even my comments i read through it I had 300 comments at the time it was a. Uh, it was a. Uh, this is who's stopping right to repair in maryland from march of 2020 and i it, it there's nothing racist in it there are a lot of comments saying this politician is a moron wow i can't believe this guy got elected what an idiot which is normal political discourse in our right. country regardless of race but he had said the re so when we hired a lobbyist in that state they said that that was a racist video, and that's why they weren't gonna to consider right to repair. So then the lobbyist said, "Well, listen, yeah, my client is willing to personally come down here on a trip, you know, uh, uh, come to your office and apologize and discuss anything with you." He's like, "No, don't worry about it, water under the bridge." Then two weeks ago, they say, "Oh yeah, there was a ra- very racist video that was done, and I'm not, pick- I'm not gonna consider this bill." Wow. And it's like, like, really? And I've i literally read through every single comment, you, every single one of the three hundred comments. Because you'll see, there there are comment sections on YouTube where they'll say, you know, oh that, like look look at that set of runners where the runner means jogger and jogger means n word for somebody that doesn't actually want to say it. Th- none of it. It was it was as clean as can be. It was just idiot, dumbass, whatever. They're but, lying, bro. And and it, but the thing is, it worked.
0: Right. Because you know, th- that bill is gone now. But this is what I was talking to you about: middle ground people. You think average middle ground people would, if you talk to them and explain to them what happened, they'd be on your side?
1: I don't know a single left-wing person that watched that video of what he was claiming that even agreed with him. Even people that I know that are very left-wing, it was like, that. that's full of it.
0: What was the actual claim? So who who is the politician who who's like not getting on board? C.T. Wilson. He, he's a Democrat or a Republican? He is. All right, well.
1: I've been the thing is right to repair has been screwed over by Republicans, Democrats and libertarians in almost every single state. Libertarians. Yes. Oh, so, so what? in Nebraska that's
0: surprising. No, in, in Nebraska in Republican I get, you know. Democrat in, I get.
1: In Nebraska in 20 in 2017 there was a senator Bob Christ who agreed to meet with all of us the day of the hearing and then he called off the hearing and then he he didn't he wasn't interested in it. Uh Muller Roback, uh, Kim Roback, who was an AT&T lobbyist, donated $3,000. I thought that, that that's nothing. Maybe the cost of living is different in Nebraska and that's all it takes. But yeah, he, he was going to meet with us. He called it off last minute. You go to followthemoney.org and that day you see uh, Kim Roback, uh, the AT&T, who used to be lieutenant governor, who was an AT&T lobbyist, who testified against the bill, gave him money. Uh, mm. Ernie Chambers, this is interesting, Ernie Chambers, who is a very left-leaning Democrat, and if you go to followthemoney.org, actually has no, there's no company giving him money. He is purely fundraised by his neighbors and everyone going door to door knocking and people giving him a dollar. He said, and I quote, to consider this bill, strike all contents from the bill and write in the following, better luck next year, and then he started laughing at us. What? Then he started laughing at us. Laura Epp, who is a libertarian, sat next to him, Also laughed. By the way, she was voted out of office by Tom Brandt. No, she she was beat out of office by Tom Brandt, who is a Republican, who is a farmer, who won an election based on right to repair. In Washington state, the Democrats voted for it. Uh, Every single person who voted against right to repair who didn't want it to move forward was a Republican in Washington state. The interesting thing is in Nebraska this time around, it was actually urban Democrats that voted for right to repair and rural Republicans that were endorsed by the Nebraska Farm Bureau that voted against it. And a part of me wonders, is this just them trolling? Are they just trying to – like, are they trying to actually get the rural vote and say, listen, you guys see us all as city slickers. They're voting against you being able to fix your own tractor. We don't even know what a tractor is, and we're voting for it. So why don't you consider voting? <laughs> but in every state, it's been very eclectic. Who supports it and who declines – who denies it? It's Everybody? it's a total coin toss.
0: You know, I'm willing to bet it has a lot to do with uh, – you know, for farmers. You've got a lot of these big companies. It's not so much the farmer as is the politician and they say we're going to run ads against you and make you look as bad as possible to every one of your constituents you know the amount of money we will dump into destroying you you will never compete with and they say okay i'm not going to i'm not going to bother that's
1: another thing that's been very interesting is figuring out who is for this and who is against this so when i started actually when i did the fundraiser last year i wanted to go with the ballot initiative in the state of Massachusetts that was my goal to try and get it passed by people and just bypass this entire disgusting process altogether, I said if I raise uh, three to six million, I'll do it. If I don't, I'll just do traditional lobbying to try to get something passed in a state. So there was a state where I am try. I, I uh, we introduced a bill that does not exclude farm equipment, and there was someone who was asking to be excluded from farm equipment, and it was a farm bureau. Now this is the, so I had to have a conversation. So I, I get an email from uh, that's from my lobbyist. Uh, I would have not shared, but at this point I don't care because I got called racist by senators in the state and the bill got killed anyway. He said you probably shouldn't share this because if you share stuff like this, do you want to get a bill passed or do you just want to stir up stuff? But it's like, well, I didn't get a bill passed doing it your way anyway. So I get an, I, I see an email saying it's still a tough issue to address. Our problem isn't a non-ability to repair our own equipment, but more a lack of service providers in key times of the year. Key part. Most farmers don't have or care to have the knowledge or the equipment uh, to repair their own equipment. So it's a service provider issue. Tell that to a farmer. Tell that to a farmer that most farmers don't have the knowledge or the ability to repair their own stuff. Well, farmers are all dumb, so. No, but this is somebody (laughs) that represents farmers that is saying this. This is somebody from a farm bureau. So I say, listen, I can't let this go. I know I'm supposed to let this go. I can't let this go. I give the guy a call. It's like, you emailed my lobbyist who I hired. I know that you know that he was going to send this to me. I am – I, I, you know, I grew up in Brooklyn. I've never been on a farm in my life. So if I show up to a state and I start advocating for right to repair and then we remove agriculture from the bill, that's going to look like this New York City per, city slick or whatever is, is trying to screw over farmers. Do you understand how that looks for me? Now, you're the one who's asking to be removed from the bill, and you're saying if you're not removed from the bill that you're probably going to ask to be removed, and that's going to be awkward. So we should ask to be removed. So I need – you to understand how bad this would look for me if I was to remove it. Can you explain why you want to be removed from this bill? And can you explain how I can explain in a PR friendly way why it is you're asking to be removed when you're saying that you support farmers? And can you please explain this line that you told me most farmers don't have or care to have the knowledge of the equipment to repair their own equipment? And the answer that I got was, in my opinion, garbage. So there's there's this is politics, man. You, you look if you if you
0: play it honest and and honorable, you'll get stampeded over and crushed by the people who are willing to lie,
1: cheaters. I got stampeded. I absolutely got stampeded. And the thing is, yeah, the, the idea you can't share this. If you share that, then you'll look bad. I didn't share. Oh, I did exactly. I love sharing. I did exactly what I was supposed to do. And sharing then is caring. And then you know this is it, Ed. Did anything win? No, it wasn't going to win anyway. But
0: I like I like sharing the details. I like letting people know. I uh, want people
1: to know exactly who's screwed Absolutely. Them. And yeah. I'm doing that at every single chance that I get in every single state. I'm point, like with Nebraska, I pointed out, by the way, here are all the people that are endorsed by the Farm Bureau. Here are all the people that voted against it. Do you see that all the people that voted against it are endorsed by the Farm Bureau? So
0: what, mm-hmm. what, you know, what you're proposing is like simple that people who say buy a tractor are allowed to fix their own tractor.
1: I'm saying that make available the diagnostics, the schematics, uh, and the tools at a fair and reasonable price that you make available to your own dealers and technicians. So if you oh, sell this if you sell the software package to a dealer for five thousand Let them buy it for 5,000. If you sell, if, if you sell this schematic for, you know, $500 or this, this manual for $500, sell it to the independent for $500. Right now, I rely for my business on stuff that fell off the back of a truck. It's all like the, the process that I go through to get access to screens and chips. My, my customers think that I just go to mouser.com and I just buy everything that I want. They have no idea the Nicolas Cage, Lord of War, supply chain ridiculous nonsense that happens in the background so that I could get them a computer screen. But there's, yeah, like this, this this plays into phones and stuff as well, right? Like, it goes, yeah, and it's, it's with almost everything. And you know, one of the things that drives me nuts is when people say just don't buy Apple and it'll go away. I talk about Apple products because that's what I fix. But show me a smartphone where you can get the schematic from the company. Even Fairphone who says they support right to repair will not give you a schematic for any amount of money. What
0: about Freedom Freedom Phone? Freedom Phone, yeah. Freedom Phone.
1: I, I think the only thing that would give You're you not I get think it because I, they buy it third party. I haven't double checked if this is the case, but I think Pinephone will, but if you use it it is they're a great company it's a bit far from the experience that you'll get if you buy you know an S10e or a, or an iPhone 10 or anything like that they they're getting there but but like there's no if you want to have access to things like this you really have to give up the ability to live in a modern society you know you can't get a schematic to your monitor you can't buy like you can't buy chips to a lot of the things that you want to and is the is the challenge though like copyright a lot uh, of it, ip yeah, what they'll say is they'll say that it's that it is a an intellectual property issue, but here's the actual issue I think it is. I don't think it's an issue of if we release the schematic, somebody else will reproduce our product. Because if you go to venafix.com or, you know, notebook squad or any of these places, you'll be you you could spend 20 bucks and get access to all the schematics you
0: well, want. Well, not not just that. I'm pretty sure every major phone company buys every brand new phone and just opens it and goes, "Oh."
1: I think here's I think here's the issue. They're afraid if the schematics get out that it won't be that that users or other companies will copy their technology but rather it'll show up that they were already copying everybody to begin with <laughs> I'm serious I think that's a part yeah. of it so for instance let's say you pay a company and this is this is my speculation based on what I've heard from people in the industry that I don't want to uh, give their name out because the, they they were probably doing this but <laughs> they, they let's say you ask a company in China uh, you know we want a la- we want a laptop motherboard with these specifications and this chipset and this blah blah modem and blah blah blah. That company that's actually doing everything in Taiwan or Korea or China, are they going to start from scratch to make it just for you? Or are they gonna say, well, Dell or, or Lenovo contracted us to make this control C, control V, here you go. <laughs> and- so there's a, yeah. a so there's a lot of technology out there where you it probably is a direct copy and paste of somebody else's thing, and it's, especially in China. Yeah, because they're doing it because they don't care, but here our laws say that we care. So if you keep the schematic and everything private, you can't really see that. Versus if you make it public, then maybe it's a little bit more easy to see that. Wait, you copied my Bluetooth circuit. You copied this circuit or something like that. That's my best case. But the like you used to be if you bought a radio, or you bought a television, you bought all, all these any of these different stuff. You would open it. And there'd be a schematic on the back of it that wow. shows everything's put together, and you could buy manuals to it. I mean, you know, even for the uh, you know, for the old for computers back in the day, they used to come with schematics and manuals that show you how to fix everything. And the argument that gets used now is security and safety that we, we that we would be less secure and less safe. But were people like blowing themselves up fixing their toasters fifty years ago? No, we had a much more freedom oriented mindset back then. Did you say that OnStar? I felt like I talked over you. We you were talking about it. OnStar can
2: track where people are in their cars, and like you were saying with this this propaganda commercial that if a woman's walking to her car in the middle of the
1: night people from onstar have, know that yeah i mean okay. if, I'm, if i'm if i'm gonna like i'm not gonna spend five thousand dollars for all these different tools if i'm if i want to abuse my wife i'm not gonna do all of this i'm probably just gonna toss an air tag under the mattress or something matter something
0: yeah yeah yeah. not that i do that not not, point. Not, like, not, not only that i mean a lot of these there's there's a million and one ways to track vehicles
1: there are so many ways to track people that are easier yeah. than hacking into the open data system in your cars the, Get you know, That's get like on one stuff. Of for your the most car.
0: complicated ways to track somebody. No, it's ridiculous. What? And
1: again, this is designed to scare you. And the thing that a lot of people don't get is a lot of people will say Tesla is anti repair in many ways. True. However, who funded this? Ford, General Motors, Toyota, Nissan, and Honda. And the reason that all of this stuff is scrubbed from the Internet right after they lost is because they don't want to have that anti-repair reputation. They don't want to be known as the company that associated being sexually assaulted with uh, <laughs> with, with having your car repaired. But they should be because they paid for this. Yeah, Tesla open sourced all their patents. I don't know. All our
2: patent are belong to you. Tesla.com from 2019. Yeah, Elon's a, Elon's a weird guy. He's a funny dude.
0: Um, also, have He you does, guys does heard a lot of, of good stuff, but he's also you he's guys. A very control. strange man,
2: I love him. dot yeah. uh, opensourceecology.org. If you guys ever seen this, it's Mar I think it's pronounced Marcin Joubowski- Jakubowski is his name. But he's basically created all these farm all this farm equipment and these open source, all the patents of how to build them, repair them. But you can build them and, and do them yourself. Very, Maybe, very cool.
0: You know what's funny is like we often make fun of the great reset. You will own nothing and you will be happy. You know, have you heard that, right? I have. Yeah. What if the you will own nothing is because everything's like open source and available for you to create your own? You know what I mean? Molecular printing. Like, well, let's think about that. I guess in that reality, you would own stuff. You'd own what you made.
1: I don't think that was meant as nefarious as they said it when they actually said it. I think the the part of it was you used to have a record collection. Now you're going to be happy with just... You know, you, you search for a song, like, you, you just type it in and it automatically starts playing for you. That type of thing. But oh, that's bad. But that coincided. Really bad. The thing is, that statement and that trend of you just having access to everything immediately at the, at your fingertips, whether it's an Uber for a car or music, just so happens to coincide with a second separate trend where every single company is doing everything they can to make things unrepairable because there's more money to be made in buying a new one.
0: It is nefarious to say you used to have record collection, now you have it on your phone. Because they can say you're a naughty boy, so we've banned you from music forever. You could you you, you know use their record collection. They could come out and be like you're 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 a jerk, and nobody likes you, so you can't come to the record store anymore. And they'd be like, well, I got a big old pile of records right here. At I got those. Now Spotify will just be like, we're gonna ban you. Like I'll tell you this, man, Lee Camp, right? You ever hear of Lee Camp? No. He's like a lefty guy. He worked for RT. He had a podcast, a personal podcast. It wasn't through RT, and it got deleted from Spotify because. He worked for RT. That's redacted so tonight. Redacted. Redacted, show? redacted tonight was was deleted off of uh, YouTube. He had another show on on, on Spotify that got purged. was oh, different show for being for for working for our Russian outlet or whatever. And uh, but the point is that's that's a different kind of suspension. You could be booted off, you know, iTunes, and then you have no music on iTunes. And you say, okay, maybe Spotify. But if they all coordinate like they do with Alex Jones. It is a really, really bad thing for them to be like, you will own nothing and you will be happy. Yeah, you're happy until like in that, what was it, black mirror, where they blocked someone in real life. Yeah. And they just saw a silhouette walking around. Yeah, like I, th-
1: I think that what they meant with that statement is that you're going to use more services than own things. I would prefer to own things than have services myself. That's my preference. But I think that's, that's a separate thing than the cons, than what's happening now, which is everything that you buy winds up becoming disposable. But yeah. it, it, but I, I'm glad that that statement exists. And that so many people are aggravated at that statement because it's going to cause people to be more sensitive to when you buy something and there's, you know, there's a $5 chip in your $3,000 MacBook that dies and they tell the company that makes it not to sell it to anybody. Do you actually own what you buy? if you cannot buy any of the components necessary to repair it because the company goes out of their way to stop you from doing so. like If I go to Intersil and I try to buy a chip that I could have bought 10 years ago, I'm not allowed to. They'll say, we can only sell to people who are on this approved vendor list. Yeah. Uh, Renaissance Electronics will like, say, we can only sell on this approved vendor list. Same with Texas Instruments. If that's the case, do you actually own anything? I think it's, uh are you leasing it? Are you leasing that tablet until it dies te- or do you own it? Technically, you not own you tablet. own an unrepairable piece of machinery, I guess. Yeah because the, the life cycles of love a lot of this i mean it, you know a, a lot of these devices will die within a year or two that's intentional this planned obsolescence thing are they doing this on purpose i think some of it is just the way like the way people use things now but also the fact that i mean if you plug a if you plug a charger into a macbook and there's something weird with your electrical uh, circuitry in your house or something it'll just blow a cd 3217 chip and it'll be dead and you didn't do anything wrong you don't even have to use a knockoff charger for it to happen this is like a very very common repair we get it every single day really yeah and there's something that I have to do to get that chip that I can't say on stream. But it's huh. but it's like wow. it's, it's, it's stupid. That's, that's nefarious. Not no, what like, you're doing, but that's nefarious that you
2: wouldn't be able to talk about it openly. I mean, no, maybe, but, oh, if it's a proprietary fix, you mean that you do? No, it's
1: not even a proprietary fix. I can't say how we get that's access to in, some of these things in, legally. It's, it's not legal. That's incredible. That's but it, so, it, it's it's so really like it, it's just dumb that things have to be that way. Wow. And, like, and the thing is, people will say, "Well, you're only advocating for right to repair because it helps your business." It's like, no, it's the opposite. <laughs> when you have one million YouTube subscribers, you can say. You know, oh man, if only I had this chip I could do this repair and I will get a box that, for, with uh, no return address or whatever with like a spool of chips and say thank you for the YouTube videos. Yeah. The, you the could people say, oh, that well, started
0: someone rid me of this priest and the priest is just gone.
1: Huh. <laughs> yeah, but the, the people who started where I did 10 years ago, they can't do that. They're, like, when, I, when I, where I started 10 years ago, they can't do that. They don't have the ability to say something like that and just have some contact reach out to them that allows them to get access to all the things that I can. Yeah. Like, I'm doing this for the people that started where I did because I want them to have a path to get where I am now. Like, I started doing this when I had $200 in my bank account, $1,000 in credit card debt, and didn't, you know, I just dropped out of college. And I was able to start a store and, you know, get 12 employees, have a decent quality of life and I want everybody else to be able to do that, but that path is sl- that bridge that I crossed is slowly burning away behind me. I yeah. agree,
0: man, completely. Yeah. You know, I wanna believe that if you if you just work hard and you dedicate yourself, but uh I mean, looking at YouTube, they're pulling up the ladder behind us. Everybody. They're making it harder and harder for people to have people of merit aren't aren't gonna be able to make it in. I think, you know, kinda just to do a quick shift before we're going to super chats, when it comes to pulling up the ladder behind it as far as it goes with media, I think when, the, when YouTube started, when the internet was prominent, meritocracy was the law of the land. If you made good stuff that people wanted to see, you, you would do well. And meritocracy doesn't mean good content. People like started posting boobies you know, all over YouTube, and it worked really well for their channels and made them huge. YouTube eventually started getting rid of this and saying, nah, we should just choose who wins and who loses. That way we have control of the situation. So the ladder's been pulled up behind everybody. I, I, that's why I recommend people now, like if you're going to start a channel, start it on Rumble. You or gotta, Mines. Or Mines. You new, gotta, some new network. Yeah, you've got a real chance at meritocracy on a new platform that you want on YouTube.
1: Are people actually using them though? That's the biggest problem with new platforms. Yeah, they are. There, like well, a bunch of people would suggest that I use Library, and I I do. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but but when I actually opened up a Library channel, nobody watches it.
0: But uh, Rumble, if you know, uh, Dan Bongino gets got more views and has more subscribers on Rumble than he did in YouTube. That's interesting. And uh, and it's one of the reasons he's probably an investor in it because he was driving a lot of that growth for sure. But you know, he's he's. He's got a what like a nationally syndicated radio show and podcast that helped him build that up. Yeah. But I'm saying, you know, for you right now, you got you know 1.7 million subscribers or whatever. If you were to jump over to Rumble or Minds, you wouldn't have as big of a platform. But if someone right now has nothing, has no followers whatsoever, I'd say Rumble.
2: You know, in uh, addition Mines, to Minds. Yeah. What you're saying about the right to repair and access to open source machinery schematics and things. How do you feel about software code? Like with proprietary networks, I, for instance, Google. Uh, YouTube something like that
1: I've never thought of the idea of making of mandating that everything be open source uh, I like open source software I like people when people make it available but if you're going to make a device that requires well, let's give an example so there was a microwave recently that I forget uh, made by Electrolux and because it was given a software update that didn't work that microwave now thinks that it's a steam oven. And it doesn't turn on because it thinks it's a steam oven. Now, why you have a microwave that connects to Wi-Fi is beyond me. <laughs> why anybody right. would like, like they perfected <laughs> the microwave over thir- everything that you could have in a microwave like 40 years ago, and they put a clock in a microwave. I yes. think that was the, that was the <laughs> last update that you needed. Yeah. But um, if if something happens like that, even if you don't have access to the source code, should you be able to have access to the ROM? Because what you need, you need a service technician to come out to your home to fix that. Why can't you fix it yourself? Because you don't have access to the software. So should that stuff be made available for devices that require it? Uh, that, that's that's an uh, yeah. important question.
0: Well, how about we go to Super Chats? If you haven't already, smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show if you really do like it. It's the best way to help. And don't forget to go to TimCast.com, be a member. We're going to have a members-only segment coming up after the show. Let's uh, let's read some of these Super Chats. We got Archa Magiris Sancti says, here's a Jackson for Lewis and Clinton. Lewis is the man, Sub to his channel. That's my cat. Oh, there you Not go. Not the Clinton. politician. Clinton is your say, cat? I say, wow. <laughs> Named for Bill? Named for Sox. Name for what? That was Bill's cat socks. Oh no, but you, you named your cat Clinton? Yeah. For oh, after Bill Clinton or what? Well
1: when I got him, his name was Thunder, but they he was sexually harassing all the other cats. So <laughs> they, oh yeah. So they put him well, they put him, they put him <laughs> in all his right, own right. Room. They put him in his own room with uh, stuffed animals and he there wouldn't stop humping the animals. <laughs> so so I, you called him Clinton? So. I called him Mr. Clinton. All right then. So perfect. Good name.
3: <laughs> I love it. All right.
0: BS production <laughs> says Lewis is the G of the right to repair world. I got my phone fixed at a small repair shop because of his oh, message.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Right on, man. Thank you.
0: All right. Chloe Small says, trans woman here. Terrible tweet. Should the Babylon Bee have been suspended for it? No. You think every joke a comedian makes will be hilarious? Same with satire websites. I stand with hate speech. Oh, interesting. The
1: interesting Definitely. thing about that tweet is that they, uh, when they say that they're asking uh, them to remove it rather than removing itself... Apple did this something similar to me six years ago with one of my videos that had a schematic in it. They, they didn't file a DMCA claim, and they totally could have because it's copyrighted. And it says literally in the schematic, do not do this. Do not share this. And yeah. it's on it's in my video. But I think part of the reason they asked me to remove it is because they didn't want the negative PR from removing it. So I told them I, will, I have no problem removing 100% of my YouTube content. All I ask is you file a DMCA claim so that people don't think that I did it. Right. So if Twitter asks you to remove it, then it doesn't look publicly like Twitter deleted it for you versus you were, you just deleted it yourself. And right. I think that's why it's important to not delete your own stuff if somebody else wants you to.
0: The crazy I, thing about it is, if it's against the rules, why would Twitter allow it to stay up? They're saying, this broke the rules, you can't say anything until you get rid of it because you will leave it's it. It's not up. a
1: popular rule. Like the rule that, right. the, the rule that's, uh, all of my YouTube videos could be DMCA claimed by Apple in a day and my channel would be gone. That could have happened six years ago, but the thing is, it's a rule that doesn't have popular support, and it's a, and if they were to actually enforce that, then a bunch of normal, average, everyday people—that large, moderate, middle—that we were talking about—that don't actually do anything—would rise up and do something, and they don't yeah. want that to happen. And I think it may right. maybe it's the same thing with Twitter. I, you know, again with the tweet, like again, I try I, I avoid misgendering people because of why? I, just, I I gain nothing from it, but you're, I wouldn't ban it.
0: There was a story about this uh this couple in the UK, I think they were protesting McDonald's, and then McDonald's sued them and won. And the stock damage to McDonald's was substantially worse than any of the damage from the – it was like two people were, were protesting and handing out pamphlets in front of McDonald's. So they sued him one, and the PR blowback was massive, saying this big corporation went after these, like, two random people handing out pamphlets. So I forgot what the story like, was called. But since then, there's been like a corporate doctrine never to be uh, Goliath going up against David mm. because it'll, it'll hurt you more and cost you more money.
1: It looks bad. Even if the rule exists, you, you shouldn't – if the majority of people would not agree with that rule existing, if it was invo- invoked, then it's best to not invoke it Yeah. and just only invoke it when it's not going to get you in too much trouble.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's read this. Murph says, Ian, I agree with you 100% that text is ruining our culture's communications. Would you put texting in that category as well? Yeah, it, it's kind of like we used to mail each other letters um,
2: when the, we had the post office back in the 1800s. And now, then we have invented the telephone, and then we invented video chat. But I see people reverting to mailing letters to each other, email, you know, digitally now. It's
0: very disturbing. Yes, I consider text the exact same thing. Yep. So go back to video chats with your friends. Well, see, the thing about text messages, though, is that if you send something over text that was misconstrued, you just press call and say, here, I, I meant this, you know. Now with Twitter, you can tweet something and people just... Either intentionally or ignorantly don't understand what you were saying.
1: The one thing I learned from YouTube is that there are many ways for other people to interpret what you say. And yet there's so much work that has to go into it that doesn't go into it when I'm speaking to people that I know well.
0: I think it's the internet in general, to be honest. Because, um, what was it we were talking with, uh, we had Andrew Heaton on the show and he mentioned that other people had talked about, Oh, Tim Poole. Oh man, you know, I've seen clips of him. And he's like, Yeah, but have you watched a show? And they're like, No. So the other day, Ian made a, made a comment. That I'm not going to repeat because I'm not foolish enough to repeat it, but uh, you were you were making a, hypo- uh, a hypothetical argument, and you said someone might actually say have the political opinion of you know I believe X is good, and then I was like you shouldn't have said Everyone that. Everyone laughed yeah. because now what's going to happen is someone who hates Ian will take a take the clip of that, and then publish Ian saying something, and they'll attribute the quote to him instead of.
2: It feels like it's like a, we're in a constant state of culture shock. I remember before the internet, it would be very rare to meet someone that I didn't agree with about anything or that didn't agree with me because I was from Cuyahoga Falls and those were the people I knew. Then now I would start to put my, put my oil onto the internet's water and you just see these reactions the first, from the first moment. It's never stopped. I've just become more used to it now. But it's still this constant culture shock. Every day all these new
0: people are responding from God knows where on earth what their childlike was like. I'm going to read this because I'm confused by it, but let's read it. Um, pizza make my, makes my belly hurt. Oh, I'm sorry to hear. Says, I seen Christopher Titus this weekend. He was talking about white supremacists named dropped, uh, white supremacist named dropped Kyle Rottenhouse, Tucker Carlson, and Hannity. People groaned, and my group and others left. This was in Chicago. People are waking up. Wow. Mm, interesting. I saw, uh, there was someone I knew a long time ago, and I looked him up on Facebook, and like the last post they have was like ranting about white supremacy and, all these issues and i'm like man what happened
1: to you yeah that's weird it was fun to be at work the day that the kyle rittenhouse verdict happened huh. <laughs> because i have a workplace where everybody can discuss it and there's no consequences that's yeah. great like there were two people that agreed with it and the rest disagree with it but they all talked about it and there was no consequence nobody got fired no and it was just i, I found that day enjoyable it was crazy how many people, how many people cried And like one person that thought that he should have gone to prison was like said it and like there was no and the other the people that thought that he he that he did nothing wrong said it and there was no like none of them had to worry about losing their jobs none of them had to worry or care we you know we admittedly there was 45 minutes where no work got done that day because they were all talking about it but it was in I like the fact I know that there's a bunch of companies where that could never happen and I was proud to have a company culture where that could happen and nobody like hated each other because I
0: I believe there is a greater than chance probability that people who thought Kyle Rittenhouse should go to jail just didn't know anything about the case Mm. or or had limited understanding of what happened. It was
1: surprising how many people thought that he was shooting at black people. Exactly. Yep. And then, you know,
0: with this story, it was interesting because I know a bunch of people who personally cried, mostly women, to be honest, like no disrespect, but a lot of women were like crying and I was seeing people, even dudes, tweeting like I'm on the verge of tears, man, my heart rate skyrocketed as the verse was about to be read because we all knew the case and we all knew that he was innocent and was defending himself and that's how important it was that he was found Also, shout
1: out to a a, a social democratic political YouTuber that is on the left, Destiny, who actually followed the entire case, stuck with the facts, regardless of people that were very angry at him and And followed facts and logic over it. I I enjoy his channel for that. He got a Twitch ban
0: for defending for, for, he, he said Kyle Rittenhouse was the clearest cu- cut, clearest cut case of self-defense he'd ever seen, and so Twitter punished him for it.
1: He always. I'm oh, no, sorry, Twitter. Twitch, yeah. Him for he it. tries to avoid following a specific bias as often as possible, and I have a lot of respect for him for doing that. I wish yeah, I we could had do it more on. often.
0: It was fun. Yeah, good, good conversation. Great. I love them. Yeah, let's read some more super chats. All right, Archie Sancti says, "I love old things because they're well made and I can maintain them." Lewis is fighting for the massive cause of carrying that philosophy forward into the 21st century and And it should be I, I think the only people who would oppose that are massive corporations who like planned obsolescence.
1: I think you know the, the new group that 's opposing it it wasn 't just uh, them it was also people that identify with the brand, so a lot of people nowadays they don 't just i they, you can 't just vote for somebody and say this was the less crappy option. You have to identify all the way and defend every single thing they do even when it 's bad, or they buy a product. And it's not, I bought this just because it does what I want. It has to be, I love the company, I love the brand, I will defend them all the time. And when they see somebody attack Apple or attack Tesla, they don't think, I'm attacking Tesla because they treated their customer poorly in this instance. They think, I'm attacking Tesla, I'm attacking you personally and your identity because you chose to buy it. So they they have this reactionary way of defending the company and becoming simps for them when it makes absolutely no sense.
0: Well, I am outraged at Elon Musk. Where's my Starlink, bro? They said it was going to be the end of last year. And now we're still sitting waiting to get Starlink.
1: Seeing where you are streaming Elon. out of, I was very, I was very surprised that you could actually stream out of this location oh when God. I saw just how far out of the way you have to go <laughs> yeah. to come
0: here. Yeah, we had to get them to actually lay like a mile of line. It was very expensive.
1: No, like when I saw you had the chickens that were like walking around outside, I yeah. figured they were just carrying the packets.
0: Yeah,
3: that's exactly what's going on. Oh yeah. There. Yeah. <laughs> they
0: carry them manually. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in order to get internet out here, we have, we have, there, so there, I mean, look, we're, we're not that far away from DC, so there is cable, which is not that fast. Then there's satellite, which is also not that fast, but we've, we've used these as defaults. And then we actually had a company come and lay down fiber. They had to like actually dig and you see those trucks outside and they're laying it down for like a mile plus from like the main hub or whatever backhaul. It's very expensive. People knew how expensive it was to make sure like this happened, you know, out here. But, uh, it's better than being in the big cities and it, it all ends up being really, really worth it. But once we get Starlink, it's you know could theoretically reduce our cost dramatically.
2: I've heard that you want to get multiple Starlink bases if possible, so that you can have multiple networks them? because one network won't be enough. That's well, no, I, I just Jeremy the Quartering was going through this right now. He actually just got Starlink set up. Really, he's in the process of getting it set up. Yeah,
0: Elon.
3: Elon That's not fair I tweeted at you He <laughs> didn't tweet back up. He didn't tweet back Darn it
0: All right Howard says Starve the beast Bitcoin equals love and peace Quit the dollar And starve the war machine Roll a 20 hmm. uh, I'm a big fan of Bitcoin myself Who wants a 20 sided? Did you roll a 20? No I rolled a 6
2: Ooh. Oh <laughs> It's the devil's Ooh. number All, All right
0: That's Let's grab some. Uh, oh, this is funny. Seriously, JK says new world order is trending on Twitter, and the posts and comments are pure gold. Yeah, because Biden said. Yeah, what the heck was Bro, that? Did you see what he said? No. Yeah, Joe Biden was like, you know, he's like, we created a liberal, uh, a liberal world order or something, and soon we're gonna have a new world order, and it was like, he's like, every three or four generations, you know, and it was like, I think he said, I can't remember exactly what he said, but didn't he say something like after World War II? We create a liberal economic order and then, you know, soon we're going to have a new world order. Oh, he laid it all out. Yeah. Uh, he's uh, like, okay. <laughs> you know, you know, hey man, much respect to the guy for like blurting it. it all out. Yeah. He goes, I see <laughs> that. Maybe he's at that age where he's lost his filter. Yeah. You have to be
1: very careful when you're, a, when you're a president and you speak in vague terms because you never know how people are going to take what you say. Yeah. yeah. Like, I'm not, uh, I'm not threatened by his statement. I'm not surprised or anything. I, just tell me more. Well, I, my I mean, first reaction rather than jump to something would be tell me more.
0: I was, I was deeply offended when he had the nerve. To say true non-ashabbat pressure. Yeah,
3: me too. Yeah, yeah.
0: shocking. Do you, yeah. you yeah. want to actually remember what he said? He said true non-ashabbat pressure. Huh? That's what he said.
3: Profound. He, I he know. He, was,
0: he said true non-ashabbat pressure. I think he
2: was trying to say true international cooperation. Cooperation under pressure. Or something. And it just all got merged into one true side.
0: True non-ashabbat of
1: pressure. Way and worse and than also, it didn't follow through with that, How as you I can see in up. Ukraine.
0: Biden, true in. True. Oh, there it is. True non-ashabbat of pressure.
1: Let's see, here we go. Oh, Is it gonna play? I'll be worse when I'm 78. I'll
3: lead an effective strategy to mobilize. True and international over depression. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize. True and international over depression. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize. True and international depression.
0: True and international. gosh. I think there's an extra inner that I'm missing. True and international. True and international. pressure.
1: 50 years from now, I'm probably gonna sound worse.
0: No. He no, also no. He also said, calf care?
3: Yeah, calf care.
0: Keep meditating. Uh, was it calf or Calf?
3: Calf. With Cap, an F, I think. Better calf care. Yeah, better calf care. I have care. no
0: idea what he was trying to say yeah, there. Better, yeah. better care? Oh yeah, better health it. okay. care. It's a portmanteau word. It's okay. It's a portmanteau. You're allowed. Well, I was I was deeply <laughs> offended. That was a slur. Oh yeah. That's that. Yeah. To to podcast to to um, beanie wearing podcasters. That's you know. That's a yeah. That, it's like, like slur, our right? um,
3: yeah. That's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like Cuomo. It's
0: Cuomo. Right. All up. right. Let's read some more. Joseph Henson says, question to get Lewis going. Do you really own a thing if you aren't allowed to do what
1: you want with it within reason? I don't think you do. I think the definition is going to have to be updated at some point. If
0: That's a good point. What is that water? It's metal? Do you I mean, own it? I think I do. But what if I said you can't open it and pour the water on the ground? Is but that not within reason? It like you own it. That's that what, what no, I literally, I mean it's saying it's not within reason. So that's I don't why. think that's within reason.
1: Right. It would be unreasonable to do. Here. Yeah, that that's the perspective that w- when uh, I speak to more right wing people about it who tend to be against any sort of legislation whatsoever, because that would be government doing something. It's I mean, the, one, what is the government's job? Like, what was it there for? The fun, one of the ideas was to protect property rights. And if you don't have property rights, if you can't if, like one instance, uh, one example, if uh, if. You import something that's counterfeit. You're not allowed to do that. Fine. But if somebody takes apart an iPhone in China and all the parts of Apple logos and they bought it at an Apple store in China and then it gets shipped to Florida, if it goes through a certain customs or if it goes through a certain customs port, just be anything with an Apple logo just gets tossed out. So you could literally have an iPhone that somebody bought in China. They sent all the individual parts and flex cables over. And that could get confiscated. That's a way of keeping you from fixing your stuff. Wow. So, I mean, one of the government's jobs, even from a small government conservative perspective, is it's there to protect property rights. And part of your ability to protect property rights is to protect your ability to fix things. I don't think that any of the laws that – one of the things I liked about Andrew Yang's campaign is he said – that we, every time we come up with a new piece of legislation, we are going to write down, here's why we're doing this. Here's the problem we're looking to solve so you know the interpretation of it. And I think – I strongly believe when they came up with all the, all the laws that we have now regarding customs, intellectual property, copyright patents, none of that was intended to keep you from being able to fix what you own. And I think that if they did know that it was ever going to be used that way 50 or 90 or 200 years later, that th- it, there would have been something written in there to ensure that you have the ability to fix what you own.
0: Because this, this, no, I no.
1: Because, I mean, even John Deere, they were advertising in the 30s and 40s and 50s in their own literature, this is how easy it is to fix our product. That was the primary advertising point of a lot of their own. You ever, you ever hear the story about uh, public drinking
0: in New York? No. When, they, when they first passed the bill, the idea was that they wanted to stop drunkards from milling about and causing problems. And so there's a quote, and it could be apocryphal, but this politician said, uh, or a judge was like, never let, it, never let it be misconstrued that this bill would bar a construction worker from enjoying a beer with his lunch. Huh. And quite literally, that's what it does. If you're if you were in New York City and you have an open drink, they're going to give you a ticket for it. And especially depending on where you are. I guess if you're like drinking wine in Central Park, you can
1: get away with it. It generates more revenue Ten to make I'm the ticket to. than it does to not can, generate the ticket. Exactly.
0: Yeah. You see, so they found, ultimately, they were like, we'll make money enforcing the law. New York really
1: likes revenue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they sure do. I've learned that lesson the hard way.
3: Mm.
1: All right. Let's get some more. What do we have here? Jess. Bischoff says,
0: my name is Patrick Gibson. I thought your name was Jess Bischoff. I beat Mike Phelps three times uh, uh, until we were 13. Do you have any clue of the world records I would have if I competed against biological females? It's so wrong. I've known Mike Phelps since we were both five years old. If he chose to do this, it would be awful. Mm. But it says Jess Bischoff. Is Pat huh. Gibson just using Jess's account? No, no. Is that a All right. pen name? That's right. Michael Phelps, the swimmer, by the way. Yeah. Mary M. says Twitter just suspended that second-placed woman swimmer due to her tweet about Leah. Happy? Um, actually, Rekka was not second. She was 17th, and that Twitter count was reportedly not really her, and that's why it was suspended. Mm. Um, additionally, I will state this again for those that may have missed, or missed the earlier segment, earlier segment. The woman who came in 16th place, who's in the finals, did not complain. The woman who came in 18th place, who would not have placed in finals with or without Leah, did not complain. It's the one woman who did compete only after losing and missing it by one position say, that person shouldn't be in this race. I'm getting
2: the feeling that people
0: encouraged her to complain. Hmm. It just feels like that. I don't know why. I encourage all of them to complain if they're genuinely unhappy about it. But they don't care. Look, like, don't wait until after you
2: lose to complain. Yes. It's the same thing how the Republicans started arguing about the, the election stuff after the election. Like, That's not secure true. it beforehand if you're going to do something. That's not true. The well, lawsuits
0: were being filed They before. had years before. I mean, they did it in the months leading up, but they had yeah. years to prep for that kind of thing. Well, and, and truth be told, the Republicans actually passed a bunch of the laws that they end up getting mad about in the end. Whoops. All right. Chaos A. Turnum says, Freedom Trucker here, the only coverage we get... Is from ish spreaders. The propaganda is unreal. They don't want us in their backyard. I think. Hee hee. Yeah, the truckers have been going around uh, the D.C. area for some time now, right? Yeah, they have. Yeah, right on. <sighs> oh, this is good news. RB says, "Congratulations to Indiana for becoming the 24th constitutional carry state." Whoa, yes! that's two states yeah. in three weeks. Yeah. Ohio and then Indiana. Yeah, in 24. Yeah. Just think, once we have nationwide constitutional carry, you can like cross state lines with a weapon. It's awesome. Yeah, not right now though.
1: What do you think about constitutional carry? I support the Second Amendment. I'm fine All with right it. Then. It's just in my state, the old state, they only allow it for criminals. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I really have never had a problem with people having a gun. It's yeah, I think people should have guns. It's, it's. We, I, I, I don't know how that would work in New York because you'd be introducing it. Everybody in New York City is vibrating with some sort of anxiety or aggravation, and it's only when I come down from New Hampshire that. Like, you know, visit the store and walk around a bit that I realize the difference. And it's just, w- how would reintroducing guns to 8.5 million people in this tiny little space the size of Knoxville, Tennessee be like compared to areas where they're right. already accustomed to the culture? You know, in te- Texas, they're accustomed to it. In Tennessee, they're accustomed to it. New Hampshire, Florida, they are. New York, uh, that would be interesting. I'm not sure how that would go. I, I think, I think there's a problem
0: with, uh, the, the more dense a population be- uh, area becomes. The, the more rights get stripped away because everyone's ang- anxious and on edge and kind of pointing It's the
1: weird. Finger. In Florida, you know, they respect the Second Amendment and I love traveling to Florida. In New Hampshire, they have a very high ownership of machine gun owners per capita and I have no problem going to New Hampshire. I, I'm not threatened by it at all. If you said that everybody in New York City could have a gun tomorrow, I don't know if I'd want to be there. Yeah. I don't know if I, I, mean, I, don't know if I want to be there for the culture shock, period.
0: Yeah, I think the issue is that people are extremely tightly wound in places like this. Yes. Not, not to mention... Um, there's a lot of arrogance, a lot of arrogance in a place like New York. So you'd have a lot of people thinking like, oh, I know what I'm doing. I don't need to take a class or get training or any safety or anything like that. And then they'd, you know, you'd have problems. But, uh, you know, my, ultimately my position is Second Amendment exists. If you want to change it, you better amend the Constitution. And if you can't, people can have their guns. Although we had a conversation with even Luke. You know, Luke said this. I was t- We were talking about owning guns in like a building. And I was saying like, someone brought this up like what if you had a three oh eight rifle in like an apartment in New York City and someone broke in and you fired at him and it went through Luke said this is Luke Rutkowski if we had changed I want to make sure everybody knows this is Luke he was like maybe we don't allow those kind of bullets and I was like aha
3: oh, snap. aha that's not, enter-
0: that's
1: not a real second amendment then
0: well, he was it, like, well, okay, no, I, th- I think he admitted he was right. A he,
1: bullet that was not going to go through the wall of a crappy New York City apartment is probably going to be a Nerf dart. Yeah. For <laughs> like, yeah I mean, fair. I don't know. That's like fair. your paintball gun, like, penetrates four walls, and you're like, huh? Oh. <laughs> Can't
3: even have a there's, like, there's
0: no paint? Yeah. It just it gets, like, lodged in the fourth, you know, drywall. Alright. J says, if I'm pronouncing it right, Ian is right. I see all human interaction as manipulation. Everything someone does has an impact in their world, regardless of size. The question is where does where does one will end and where does one end and uh, will another begin? And when you know, are you
2: are you aware that you are manipulating other people? You got to be able to keep keep aware. Well, I'll, I'll
0: tell you. Here's my issue: if you are aware that what you do is manipulating someone, Stop. you're considered wrong. Yes. it's considered oh, bad. no! If you if you're accidentally doing so, I'll put it this way: let's say you're a guy. I I, I thought about this when I used to work for nonprofits. There were people who naturally had the gift of gab and could get people to sign up for nonprofits like that. They didn't need to be trained or learn any practice. They'd just walk up to someone, say all the right things, and they would nail it. There were other people who were like, I need to figure out how they're doing that. And they would, they would map it out and then go through a strategy of manipulating someone into doing it. Mapping it out was considered wrong because you're manipulating them, but just naturally being good at it is considered fine. And I'm like, I don't know. I think they're both fine, I guess. If you know how to communicate to someone and get them to do something, whether you learned it or not, it's fine. Yeah, if you
2: have good intentions and if you're not trying to harm them you want to help them. I mean, the problem is if you want to help someone and you, you turn them in the wrong direction, that, you know, so you got to be careful. But just be aware that everything you say to a person is manipulating them, their thoughts, everything.
0: I really like the uh, you do you and I'll do me because when you end up screwing up, I don't want to be responsible for it. Hmm. That's yeah. like, you know, a big key part of like my libertarian ethos. It's like, if I don't assert authority over you to do something and then you get hurt, like, that was your choice and your fault and I am not responsible for your decisions. Now, there's certain, certain circumstances where I have to assert authority over someone they have to do this and then I'm responsible for it. And, boy, do I not like that. Yeah, welcome to fatherhood. <laughs> welcome to running a business. Yeah, that too. You have an employee who does something and then it's like, it's your company and it's like, yeah, all right. All right, Howard says... Yep, buy, buy, as the petrodollar goes, BTC, love, yeah, B, as as goes, BTC equals love, peace if you want to, uh, if you want Ripple, centralized ledger, I don't know what that means.
1: Do you get into crypto, Lewis? No, I see. so much of it just seems like a consensual Ponzi scheme to me. <laughs> like the US dollar. Kind of. A little bit, yeah. yeah.
0: But uh, that's the, p- the power of Bitcoin is it's a decentralized and there's no federal Bitcoin reserve. So as much as the dollar is a Ponzi scheme where they just keep. Printing more money and propping the system up, Bitcoin is kind of inverted. There's no no centralized control, and it's you know there's only a finite amount that can exist. So then, entropy would actually remove coins over a long period of time, uh, generally increasing their value so long as people use them for trade. So I'm a big fan. Big fan I like Bitcoin. the utility tokens that actually do things. I can
2: things.
1: Under- I understand people that want to own land, houses, or let's say uh, companies that do something. It's hard for me to understand people wanting to go from fiat currency to Bitcoin. Because like so I understand owning something that produces something or owning something that has an in fundamental intrinsic value, like you can live in this. This company produces oil. This company produces food. This land produces something.
0: What if you only have like five hundred bucks? What, what what can you invest in a hard asset to to help protect you from? I'm inflation? the wrong
1: person to ask. Oh, well, for
0: Bitcoin, yeah. I screw up. I'm not all telling my anybody assets. to go do it, but um, gold, silver, Bitcoin are 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 hedges. I look at the price of silver and gold, and I don't see them tracking very well. So I think they are still decent to have because you want alternatives but bitcoin has, has been remarkable for people trying to store and protect their value. If you invested in bitcoin at th- right at the start of the pandemic, bitcoin was around 4500 dollars
1: uh, $5000. You did well. If you invested once everybody FOMOed in when it was 60k, then you're like
0: yeah. it's at 40 right now. Yeah. So if you if you bought in at the start of the pandemic,
1: then you're very you're doing very well.
0: Yes, and and there was a lot of people who saw like, "Hey, Right now, there's a crisis. They're going to print money. It's going to be a disaster. Currencies are going to go wild. You need to put something somewhere. The thing about Bitcoin is the average person, what can they buy as a hard asset with only maybe 50 bucks or 100 bucks?
1: You're screwed. Nothing.
0: Bitcoin. You can buy Bitcoin. But is that a hard asset? Yes. Well, I mean, you can call it liquid, but Bitcoin is an asset where you get your you get value out of the dollar and then Bitcoin is only
1: going to go up. Granted, Bitcoin fluctuates. I think it's just based on speculation. Bitcoin going up. It's weird because I agree with m- much of what Peter Schiff says philosophically, even though he's been one hundred ten percent wrong on price every single time. Yeah. Like but when it comes to price, it's just uh, his mutual funds are, uh, almost perform as badly as his uh, take on Bitcoin has when it comes to price. But from a philosophical perspective, or you know, what is this based on? I agree with
0: him. Do you, you don't know why Bitcoin's price goes up. It's predictable. So there's there's things called havenings where uh, I'm going to probably going to butcher this, but the general idea is like the the the, the amount of Bitcoin you get. As a reward for mining a block gets cut in half or something to that effect. And so that means if you're spending X amount of dollars in electricity to mine a Bitcoin and then the Bitcoins all get half by reward, now it's basically saying it's twice as much electricity to generate one Bitcoin. So it's going to force the price to go up. Hmm. So it's actually – you can see the ripples and it's all all entirely predictable. Because it's predictable, you need only confidence in it. And because there is substantial confidence in institutional investment in it, people are basically like, Bitcoin can only go the up. The last
2: halving was May 11th, 2020, right after the pandemic. I wonder if that's part of why. Boom.
0: It goes up. So miners are generating all this Bitcoin and they're spending electricity to make it. They're, they're spending money on electricity to get it. They, they like to use renewables because then you can, it's cheaper for you in the long run. But then you hold the Bitcoin, and then what happens is there's like a halving. Then there's a big sell-off from all the miners, which causes a price fluctuation, and then like a spike happens because now the amount of energy to produce Bitcoin is going up, and there's supply and demand.
1: I didn't know that. I learned something. Well, I'm probably butchering I was, it. I should get, read up me on me it. wrong because then you know. I learned something.
0: But uh, much of this, much of the the price increases, can be like are, are rather predictable because of the fl because of the code. You can see it's open source. But uh, again, ask somebody who probably knows that you know way more. What, what Gen- I- generally speaking, though, my view of it is, you know, uh, what was it, November of like 2019. We had Bill here and he was like, buy Ethereum. And I was like, okay. So I bought a bunch of Bitcoin and a bunch yeah. of Ethereum and then took off. The pandemic happened and, uh, I have never in 10 years regretted buying Bitcoin. I have regretted every single time I sold it. Mm. Oh, so wow. yeah, you know, but right now my investment in Bitcoin is substantial. Like, uh, not like I have a lot of Bitcoin, but that I invested a little bit, like, like eight years ago. And now it's just like, I have no reason to sell it because like, it's just, even if
1: it went, if it, if it went down 80%, you're still ahead. Yeah. Like I bought in it like a grand. Yeah. So it would you're, have you're to, ahead regardless. I like so what, I'm like
0: not worried about it. I
2: like how you said that utility is key. Like with a, with a fun- if you're going to pr- invest in something, you want utility out of it, like a house, something you can utilize that some cryptos have, a, they're called utility tokens that they actually do something. Like if you go to mines.com, you spend one mines token, you can get a thousand views. So it's like, it's like advertising. So there's a utility in the token. It's not just a, not just a piece of paper, you know? So I I really think that the future of utility in in crypto is going to be like smart contracts and being able to like cut out the middleman that's the guy who's like getting the, the paycheck and then making sure the button gets flipped. It's just going to, the paycheck's going to make the button flip for you. And
0: those cryptos are going to become very valuable, chain link, things like that. Let's read one more here. The wrong writer says, drunk super chat, show idea. Ian should review fast food. I miss you, Ian. Love you. Oh, I used to love Taco Bell, and I don't mean it like it was good for me. Love it. It's delicious. It sometimes. would be uh, a, <laughs> it would be hilarious if there was a YouTube show of Ian reviewing fast food. Gah, but that I, would mean Ian eating eating fast food every day. That's what's Gah. that guy,
2: <laughs> the <laughs> machinist? Didn't he lose all that weight for the machinist? Oh, Christian, Christian Bale. Yeah. yeah, that was there's so one. gross. But there's
0: already uh, food fu- that fu- food review guy. What's his name? Review bro. The one no is that meme where he's like, my my uh um, mi what, what does he what does he say I, I Know. Something like my dissatisfaction is in
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. What is that one?
3: And my day is ruined. Yeah. yeah. My, yeah.
0: Epic, epic mealtime. My disappointment. <laughs> like
2: that. Epic mealtime. They did it, and they took unhealthy food and would gorge, and man, that that show burned out. I don't know if you can, if I could do that for very long. It's just so gross. It's like putting plastic in your stomach.
0: Yeah, I don't no know about things. that. All right, everybody. Smash that like button. If you have not subscribed to this channel, share the show with your friends. We're going to go over to TimCast.com to record that members-only segment, which would be up at around 11 p.m., so you don't want to miss it. Those are always fun and unfamily-friendly. You can follow the show at TimCast IRL everywhere except TikTok, who banned us. Boop. And you can follow me at TimCast. Lewis,
1: you want to shout out any anything? I don't have anything in mind. Social media you got a Twitter or a YouTube. I have maybe? a YouTube channel, Rossman Group, and that's about it. Nice. Okay, right on. <laughs> yeah. Help people fix things and get people involved. That's how you get. That's how you change the world. What's yeah. the best
2: way for people to get involved?
1: Uh, if they know how to fix something and they know somebody that needs something fixed, uh, get them involved and get them to see how they can save money and get them to have that little kick of dope me when something works again. Like, you know, it's not about watching my YouTube videos or giving money to my nonprofit. It's about getting as many people as humanly possible to feel that kick of dope me when something works again and when they save some money. Because then they'll naturally support it. And then they, they'll see through slander from companies, from politi- politicians, from lobbyists, and anybody else.
2: Hey, all right. Well, hey, I'm Ian Crossland. Uh, check me out at iancrossland.net. I'll see you guys later.
3: And the quote from that review show is my disappointment is immeasurable and my day is ruined. So if you want to see Ian review stuff now, just kidding we're not going to make Ian review fast food. Although that would be hilarious.
0: If you've never seen the dude actually say it, it's one of the best videos ever. I need it's to like watch eating, that. Because it's like deadpan. He's just like, he's not very enthused or like excitable. He's just totally flat. Yeah. I
3: love it. I had to look it up because I was really curious what the full quote was. Anyway you guys can follow me on Twitter uh, and Minds.com at Sarah
0: We will see you all over at Timcast.com in about an hour, thanks for hanging up. Bye guys.